You hit that guy. He shouldn't have been standing. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Well, I lost him, but I don't think he'll be very keen. Uh, he's already got one, you see? Ladies, gentlemen, humans, uh, welcome once again. What up? To Gag Reel. Um, your your favorite new podcast that breaks down comedy movies that you love and hate. You know that one that you're telling every single person you know about and you can't get enough of and you, you play it over the loudspeaker everywhere you go? You know, you know that podcast. This podcast. Um it it it's uh I don't know what I'm trying to say here. It, it's I, I guess I'm trying to introduce what we're doing today, and it's taken me a lot of effort because this one's really gonna be a doozy. This is the dooziest of all. Do this is probably. I mean, this is the dooziest we've done so far, and it may be the dooziest we'll do for a while. I don't know. So, uh, people uh, of the jury, of the audience of the courtroom sit back relax um and prepare yourselves for the trial of adam sandler so i guess we'll start with uh with a bit of background on ourselves and kind of like uh what some of these movies mean to us i guess it, it, well first we should say what we're doing here in this episode we're, we're gonna attempt to um yeah to go through and and break down all of 90s Sandler and uh yeah. potentially in a future day this is just part 1 of this but uh we're going to we're going to then what was that yeah i i was just saying yeah it's ideally yeah 3 decades and we're breaking down the first one today it's a part 1 probably part 1 for a while cuz jeezy it, it 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 took a lot of effort uh, from my body and soul to watch all these movies. <laughs> no future spoilers yeah. though on, on my reception to them. But um, yeah, we're we're starting with '90 Sandler and we're going through all of them. This is uh, if you haven't seen in the uh, play link, this is gonna be like we said a doozy of an episode. Um, but yeah, we'll start with kind of where we we're at with Adam Sandler in 2020. What we think of where he's gone with his films and what our history is uh, of him and those movies. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds uh, about right. And, and it's, yeah, because a lot of people's Sandler opinions vary. There's a, a common, I mean, most of the consensus is I'm guessing is who even like, I don't know. I was going to say who watches his movies anymore, but they get a lot of views on Netflix. So, they do, they do. Um, I, I, when we started this, uh, I think it was after I watched the first movie. I, I recorded a little thing before I got too far ahead of myself, and um, it, it's just kind of very basic kind of um, history of me and Sandler. A very short lot of thing, uh, and I, I'll play it right now. All right, so. I thought I'd do this little kind of vo vo voice memo thing for the start of this Adam Sandler journey to um, to kind of chronicle where where I'm at before I, I watched these uh, many many 
90s Antler films and beyond, you know. And, uh, I mean, I've been pretty separated from his stuff for a little while now. I mean, I saw Uncut Gems and, uh, trying to think. I, I recently saw Pixels for some reason. I don't know. I just, I think it's because me and Will started talking about this Adam Sandler, um, deep dive. But other than that, I've been pretty separated from his stuff, uh, in more recent years. Probably like a lot of comedy fans, um. I, I've only seen, like, maybe half of Grown Ups. I think I've seen That's My Boy. But just, uh, I mean, it was a childhood thing for me. I, I, Adam Sandler movies meant a lot to me when I was a kid. And then I think, to be honest, I just kind of grew out of them. Um, but beforehand, before going back through these, uh, I just remember those uh, I very fondly, like, uh, through, through my childhood. I, I, me and... We'll quote all those jokes constantly. Me and some friends, uh, even co-workers, like, uh, I, I, I quote Billy Madison fairly often still. Uh, hopefully not obnoxiously so, so but uh, it, it comes up. It comes up. It's a very funny movie. Um, so I'm curious what new modern uh, lens will, will be and how I will perceive these movies in the future um i guess that's about it bye 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 um but yeah yeah that was that's just a very kind of basic little breakdown of me and 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 my basic thoughts on adam sandler um and my history with the movies uh what about you will i know you kind of have a maybe a bit more thoughts on this than me yeah, um, I, I started writing out just uh, my basic history with Adam Sandler, and it, it goes into uh, where where I'm at now. And so I'll go ahead and read that out to you. I didn't pre-record it like like someone actually prepared. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, here goes. Um, I have a I have a weird history with Adam Sandler films. I mean, maybe maybe some of you can relate, but um, uh, here in like. Uh, either late 1996 or early 1997 i was seven years old and on cable television we were uh there was uh we were given the stars channel for a seven-day trial period it's something that most of the premium cable channels would do once a year or so um and uh i i think stars might have started it i i don't know i don't care um anyways uh being only seven movies with the pg-13 moniker were relatively taboo but i remember my dad turned it to stars and what started shortly after completely changed my entire world that movie was happy gilmore and for my child brain um the closest thing, this isn't a direct analogy, so uh, don't call this like a complete travesty, but the closest thing I could compare it to was like a kid seeing Star Wars in 1997 or 1977 opening night. Like that day I discovered the funniest thing I had ever seen up until that point. So like, like I said, it's not a great analogy, but just it completely blew my mind and 
it completely changed the way I saw comedies. And from then on until around 2006, I saw and cataloged every single Adam Sandler movie and every single movie produced by him that came out. I became obsessive about it. I memorized every single line from Billy Madison, a film which I saw afterwards, but it very immediately became my favorite of his, of his films. I would go around quoting all of the, all of his movies, even lines that weren't that funny. I would just quote them. I made friends in school entirely because of and due to Adam Sandler movies. But of course, time goes on and tastes change. Uh, there was one time when I was around 14, I was in a car with a bunch of relatively new friends. It was high school. I was meeting new people. And I mentioned that I owned every single Adam Sandler movie. I was expecting a typical that's awesome uh, that I usually anticipated every time I said it, but instead I got, Oh, I don't really like Adam Sandler movies. Like they're, they're all the same. And he's always got like the same guys in all those movies. And who's that annoying guy always doing that stupid, like some stupid accent. It, um, it, it kind of, it, that hit me like a Scientologist getting a real taste of how insular their world is. It's like, Whoa, there are people that don't like Adam Sandler. <laughs> I mean, that didn't really sway me at the time, but it did bother me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ultimately, it took until I was around 16, got a job, spent nearly every dollar I earned buying and renting all sorts of films that broadened my entertainment horizons to not really need Adam Sandler to be my go-to source for comedy anymore. I got into classic Simpsons, started purchasing older comedy classics like Spinal Tap, an episode we've done, or The Jerk. Um, oh, and these guys, uh, Adam McKay and Will Ferrell, started releasing some of the funniest shit I'd ever seen in my entire life. So I think the appeal for Adam Sandler movies, based on my own personal experience, is that they are the safest option for anyone looking for a laugh. Like... Um, it's similar to the line that Tom Hanks character gives in an SNL black jeopardy sketch about Tyler Perry's Medea films to paraphrase. I love them. If I can laugh and pray all in 90 minutes, then it's money well spent. <laughs> I think with Sandler films, like why rent a movie, you know, nothing about where it's no sure thing that you'll even like it when you could grab this Sandler movie and you're practically guaranteed at least a laugh or two and a sweet story with a beginning, middle and end. But having said all that, I started feeling a lot of negativity towards his films. The more he kept turning them out, more and more of them started featuring like all these exotic locations for no reason whatsoever. And there seemed to be less and less humor in each offering. It started to feel like Sandler and crew started to expect big money and didn't even care to try too hard to get it. And the irritation came with the knowledge that people were going to go and see it anyway. I felt as if I wanted to scream from the mountaintop, stop seeing his movies for a bit. And maybe, maybe he'll try harder. But that was me in my cynical and jaded early twenties. As I've gotten older, I've calmed down considerably about most of that. I mean, if everyone wants to see Sandler movies, that's fine, I guess. I mean, it's not really hurting anyone. 
And uh, sure, from like my bleeding heart perspective, some of his jokes are blatantly offensive, and I really wish he wouldn't pander so much to his right-leaning moderate audience by pushing forward with cultural and ethnic stereotypes. But his movies don't really emphasize that stuff, and they take such a uh, take up such a small portion of the screen time. Maybe I've been too hard on his flicks. Maybe he just wants to have fun with all his favorite people and package it up and present it to the rest of the world. A lot of people in the world can do a lot worse than that. And uh, no, these aren't highbrow. And if they were, he wouldn't be the star he is. But uh, so here we go. Giving Adam Sandler movies a look through with as open a mind as possible. The question we're starting off with is this. Where did it go wrong? The question I'm starting to wonder is, did it ever actually go wrong at all? Or did my taste just change? Nobody looks at the Ernest films and says shit like, it was definitely after Ernest goes to jail that his films really went down the drain. <laughs> so maybe I'm looking at it all wrong. And uh, that's 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 what we're here to find out. Nice, nice. I, I couldn't have said that, uh, you know, better myself. I didn't, in my clip, I didn't go uh, too far into kind of why I think his, his movies have... Um, have kind of faltered but that ultimately is what we're getting at here and um in, in theory i kind of have a similar thesis to you I, I feel like they've gotten a lot more formulaic um over the years and even o over these 90s ones um as we'll talk about um but yeah. uh, adding that i think some of the more recent ones are uh because he he, he kind of focuses on just having a good time with his filmmaking comedy buddies uh, a lot of them are ensemble pictures, which I don't think he's ever really shown in. Um, but, uh, yeah, like you said, it seems like he's just mainly hanging out, having a good time with his friends and making movies in the process. Um, but d does that make good products it is the question. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll go into that here. And like you said, uh, you know, I have always wondered, like, if these were flipped around, what if like little Nicky was his first movie and vice versa? What if like, you know, we first witnessed these formulas early on without them being, you know, what if that was my first taste of this formula? Would I like it just as much as I like Happy Gilmore? Um, yeah. But but who knows? But I guess we'll uh, we'll just jump into it in chronological order. Um, <laughs> Because we're already 13 minutes in and we haven't even talked about a specific movie yet. Um, I, I did do a little bit. I, I don't think you went as extensively into the kind of back catalog as I did. And I, I went back and no. watched a little bit of clips from him. And um, this was really tough for me, actually, uh, in, um, in the Cosby show, uh, his earliest kind of... Um, uh, things that yeah his, his earliest credits yeah he was a was a friend of friend of yeah Theo's. yeah um and he he used to kind of play this uh like kind of raunchy character in, in in a lot of his early kind of stand-up i noticed uh, i saw him on some clips from mtv uh and other stuff and it seems like in these like early uh stand-up bits and his early acting roles he was either going like the full super nice uh humble sweet boy 
or like full on kind of Fonzie bad boy. Um, hmm. And it, and I don't think it ever fully worked uh, until he got to SNL and started to kind of hone his character building and, and comedy craft. But before that, we yeah. had the 1989 Going Overboard. Adam Sandler is a cruise ship waiter fishing for laughs. All my life, I just wanted to get on stage and make people laugh. Hi. How you doing, Errol? What's your name? I hate you! Stand-up comedy is such a sad thing. Uh, this isn't going so well, is it? It's absolutely the most degrading thing a human being can put himself through. There's your punchline. Somewhere between seasickness and murder, this killer comic discovers the power of laughter. This is not just... Adam Sandler is going overboard. But first, let's see a montage going of some beautiful Overboard, the Walmart bargain bin of movies. Which had a ton of other titles, too, apparently, over the years uh, in different VHS sets. Yeah, it had some alternate titles uh, in all of its re-releases of trying to, you know, make money on it after the fact of Adam Sandler's fame. Uh, one was Adam Sandler's Love Boat. One was the unsinkable Schmecky uh, Moskowitz. I think that was his character's name. Uh, another one, <laughs> yeah. this one, just real lazy. Babes Ahoy. Babes Ahoy. Yeah. So I watched that movie. Uh, you watched that movie. Yes, I did watch that I movie. I wish I didn't watch that movie um, in a lot of ways. I feel the exact same. Uh, um, wait, go quick overview this movie is i'm, I'm gonna read a, an imdb one sentence synopsis uh a struggling young comedian takes a menial job on a cruise ship hoping to make it big in the world of cruise ship comedy that's all you ever need to know about this movie and i don't recommend ever watching it yeah yeah i mean i do think it's important here in this journey that we're taking you know understanding him and his performances where where they work where they don't um yeah it seems like he was really trying for this, but uh, I don't think his character really had a kind of consistent voice. He was trying to play this kind of like cute, naive guy the whole time, but it, it wasn't very entertaining to watch. Mixed with the, like the Ferris Bueller yeah. kind of talking to the camera uh, constant bits. Yeah, that was, ugh. I don't know, it's just a weird... Weird movie with a lot of it. Just it didn't seem to have a grasp on what it wanted to be. Mm -hmm. Um, like uh, I mean, it's it. it I want to say it's just a, it's a low low budget movie, and like it yeah, was. that's that's fine. But we've we've done episodes on other low budget films that had budgets lower than this one <laughs> that were actually coherent. Um, like this budget was, uh, let me see, 600 million. Really? Yeah. I wonder if that was like after the fact marketing, uh, but yeah, that's crazy to me. Um, I, I, I do think it, it had some kind of fun, playful filmmaking. It was trying to 
to kind of go out there. It was trying hard to to be original and be unique and be funny no, in a lot uh, of different ways. Yeah. Um, oh, and, uh, just to correct, I, I meant six hundred thousand, but it, it was actually okay, eight hundred thousand, <laughs> not not six hundred, eight hundred thousand. <laughs> That's still, uh, you know, yeah. I've seen a lot of great movies that have that budget or less. Yeah, both, uh, both a uh, Kentucky Fried movie and. Uh, Hollywood Shuffle had budgets lower than this mm. uh, last episode, and it was only marginally less of a budget than Mystery Team. Yeah. And uh, uh, I think you could look at this as like, oh, it was just a low budget thing, um, and it was someone else's project. But watching it, um, it did have a lot of Adam Sandler's kind of, you know, his fingers on it, his creative touch. A lot of these kind of the, the joke ideas were stuff that he used later on. Uh and it was interesting seeing that even like from his first movie, like uh, one of the moments where I actually laughed or wanted to laugh uh, were Billy Zane plays King like Neptune who, who helps yeah. him out. And it feels very much like the kind of um, shtick that he's done in so many movies later on where uh, a big celebrity cameo kind of helps him overcome the last hurdle of the movie. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, lots of moments that could have been funny, but just were executed really weirdly. Uh, Also, I couldn't tell if like the cartoonish um, like terrorist people on the boat, that was a thing. I I couldn't tell uh, if they had brown face on or not, but it definitely looked like it. Yeah. And they, they couldn't figure out what accent they were be, trying to do. It was like, they're like Cuban drug lords, or what What are they? I'm so confused. Um, it was apparently like, uh, uh, yeah, something like that. But uh, to break this down, essentially, now this is, a, if, I, if I tell you this idea, it'll sound like it could be funny. But, it, but basically the concept is there's this dictator played by Burt Young, who is also known as uh, Polly in the Rocky movies. Uh, this dictator is watching the movie that we are watching, going overboard, on videotape, and uh, somebody in an interview format, because during the movie there are these interview sequences with these beauty pageant girls because it was filmed on a cruise ship, filled with uh, uh, beauty pageant contestants on their way to a Miss Universe contest. And for some reason, I guess just to get everybody involved in it, they just sit down and interview them and they talk trash about this specific dictator and the dictator is watching the movie. So he sends out terrorists to see, to like attack this ship as if it's happening in real time. The concept is, is it's, it's like, a Mel Brooks slash Monty Python thing, you know, like it, it, it's pretty much the ending of a Holy of the Holy grail, but makes even less sense. Yeah. I mean like, and, and it, it's trying to be like a meta textual thing. And, but like meta textual jokes are like, uh, only like really funny. If the audience is invested in the yeah. world, it's already constructed that sure, way they're sure. reminded. Oh yeah, this is just a movie and it's mm. funny. But this yeah. isn't, yeah. Yeah, 
it, it did kind of um, have a handful of his kind of his, his bros that ended up being in, you know, pretty much every one of his movies. Stephen Brill, who has directed a lot of his films that yes. and ones that we're going to talk about, uh, was in this as an actor. Um, well, I think uh, Alan Covert was in it Alan, at some point. Yeah, Alan Covert is the bartender in this movie. And uh, he goes on to have small roles in every single one of Adam Sandler's films. Roles that we will talk about. Um, yes. Also, if anyone out there has watched Heavyweights, Lars from Heavyweights, pretty major character in this. Uh, one of the only oh, other yeah. movies I've ever seen him in. Yeah. And without the bad German accent in this one. Yeah. There's also uh, Peter Berg was in this movie. And um, I missed it. I just know he was in there, but I, I missed the, the the line that he gives. But Billy Bob Thornton is oh, part yeah, of this movie. Yeah, and he I, was pretty decent. Yeah. I, I completely missed it. I, I knew he was going to be in it, and I watched the movie. And then afterwards, I was like, wait, where was Billy Bob Thornton? I'm... I don't I I can't remember. Yeah, I mean it wasn't hilarious, but he was uh playing this typical kind of asshole. Okay. But yeah, that was Maybe a movie. I just forgot what he I looked like that, at, but that, like, at that time in his career and so uh-huh. I just I just I was watching it and it just he did went look right young. past me. But uh but focusing on Sandler, um he's he's trying to play up the nice guy so much in this movie and it, it's hard to tell if it's because of the lack of coverage that the movie has there's very little close-ups at all but it's hard to buy that character um there's a few moments where he kind of lets his rage out probably like twice uh and those you know were probably the funnier moments um as he's you you can tell he was kind of trying to figure out his, his kind of uh his acting voice and his acting range uh, but I, I don't yeah. think uh, he found it in this one. No. And I, I think we'll move on. There's, I don't think anyone out there is going to watch Going Overboard, and I don't think anyone really should. No. I do, do not. I do not recommend watching this film once again <laughs> for the 50th time. So uh, I guess I don't have that much to say about his kind of tenure at SNL, but I do think it, it's an important to note um before going into Billy Madison uh, or any of the other ones we were going to talk about next. Um, yeah. that That's kind of, you know, where he obviously really grew a- as a comic and he had a lot of very, like, classic comedic kind of Stanler sticks on there. Yeah, um, he, he was... Uh, I don't know. It was, it was a pretty unique tenure, really, because... Most of his characters were just blank man, <laughs> like they yes. like like Cajun man, opera man, uh, canteen boy, mm-hmm. and uh, Hurley boy. The yeah, the the Hurley kid, and mm-hmm. which which is interesting because most uh, most uh, like SNL character, I don't know, like. Uh, you look at some of the other big performers from SNL and then, you know, like their characters are much more defined, but he had this way about him where he was able to just do absurd stuff. And then he also, you know, was able to do stuff like the Hanukkah song. And yeah, he, he developed an identity of basically just being goof, like absurd versions of himself. 
Exactly. Exactly. And I, I think he kind of found how to be silly, uh, but it, it still be a consistent character, which um, is really what he does in, in Billy Madison. I think his first comedic role that actually really works somewhat, or at least as a whole piece really works. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about Airheads and Mixed Nuts, uh, yeah. the movies that came a little bit before Billy Madison. Um, well, uh, let, let's just get a quick, just in case, in, because we're going through the whole filmography, he did have cameos before he got to Airheads. He did have cameos in both Bobcat Goldthwaite's film Shakes the Clown, where he played Dink the Clown, and, uh, and Coneheads, where he played a character named Carmine and gave alien Dan Aykroyd a new identity as an American citizen. Mm-hmm. That, that's all I really wanted to say about those two films. <laughs> um, Shakes the Clown also does have him interacting with uh, Blake Clark, who would go on to be in a bunch of Adam Sandler movies. Okay. But, yeah. Um, also, I forgot about this, and I wish I like could permanent delete, delete it, but um, when I was, you know... Uh, when I was going through his IMDb and trying to kind of click around on anything I saw, um, I found this one called uh, Dog Police. Dog uh, Police. The Dog Police, actually. This was a TV movie that I don't even think was finished. Uh, I think it was like a pilot kind of thing for a kid's show. And it was like, it, it, it's about these dog police which are just uh humans in these big horrifying costumes you know the kind where you can like still see their eyes uh and the fur just looks matted and old like it's been in the back of uh of someone's truck for a few weeks um i'm terrified just and th- those just this. those dogs those dog people one of the most disturbing things i've seen it was very hard to even focus on sandler and his lines he played like uh, a, a wacky little kind of side hoodlum kind of person around the police station. Huh. Don't ever watch it. I won't. Please. You told me not to. And most of uh, yeah, I texted Will specifically and said, hey, I don't know if you're watching all these side little shorts and stuff, but don't watch this one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, but moving on to Airheads. Uh, Airheads. Which I think one of the only things to really note about it was that it was uh, his first time working with Steve Buscemi and yep. um, if you've ever played the game Katamari I feel like that's kind of Adam Sandler's career that he'll just like kind of as soon as he works with someone he'll like grab them onto his ball of like bros and then they always want to make movies with him I don't know what he has some cool maybe he's just the greatest guy in the world to hang with I don't know but well, I mean, there are other people that I would think would work with him more, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, with Steve Buscemi, yeah, it just kind of clings right on to him. But they, him and Brendan Fraser never worked together again. That's true. That's true. Um, and I, I feel like this movie had a lot of problems. Mainly tone was a big problem. But I think Brendan Fraser was... Uh, and I, I've loved Brendan Fraser in a lot of stuff. But I, I think he tried to make this movie more dramatic than it needed to be. Um, really also yeah if, uh, I wouldn't worry about this movie at all since it is nearly impossible to find to watch anywhere yeah I, I wasn't able to see it um, 
I, I, I just, I remember it from when they used, they used to play this on repeat on uh, television over mm-hmm. and over again. And so I would watch it every once in a while and I don't remember hating it, but I don't remember remembering it either. Yeah. Not very memorable. It had some funny, uh, Chris Farley moments. Chris Farley played a cop, um, but a few of those moments were also kind of like the the gross Chris Farley stuff where it's just like fat jokes around him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. he did have some great, you know, some great delivery uh, of some of those lines. Um, it had David Arquette as well, uh, who didn't fit in with the movie at all. It was, it was kind of a mess. Uh, Weird. Didn't make me laugh that many times. But Adam Sandler's role in it, he was the, uh, the kind of wild card of the group. Uh, Busimi and uh, Brendan Fraser were pretty straight like the whole movie. They didn't tell that many jokes. Uh, Adam Sandler was like the young kind of hot wild card of the group that seduces a a woman while they're there and uh, has little kind of wacky moments. But uh, he didn't really make me laugh that many times. And I think just like uh, Overboard... um, it, it was him kind of trying to figure out his voice. Um, it, it's hard to tell if this movie, like, you know, would have been directed differently if he would have kind of fit in with it more. But I, I feel like all the pieces in this movie didn't really fit that well together. Okay. I, I have no thoughts on it because I didn't get to see it. Yeah, you're fine. I actually, I was only <laughs> able to watch Airheads because I found it in a pawn shop. Uh, oh. You know, wow. I, I'll snoop around at pawn shops every now and then, look for interesting. Look for some computer stuff. Uh, but I, yeah, I saw it in the movie section. Everything very disorganized, not not alphabetized at all. But there was this amazing Jude Law section there, like five Jude Law movies right next to each other, in chronological Were they all from order. That, like, one year that he did like every movie. Like there was one year, I think it was like two 2000- thousand two or three where he was just in every single movie back to back oh yeah and i wish they would keep coming give me more jude law Um, where's he been that pawn shop had the right idea but (laughs) (laughs) they were they were all right next to each other i like the way that pawn shop thinks (laughs) and then right next to all the jude law was uh was airheads very beat up copy maybe Uh, they thought jude law was in it I kind of wish I would just go watch all those Jude Law movies instead of watching <laughs> Airheads uh, and Mixed Nuts, the next movie. Mixed Nuts. Which, like, if you would have told me, like, one of the, it, it, you know, one of the worst movies on this list was going to be a Steve Martin movie, uh, I would have been surprised. But yeah, this, this is, is a, this is a perplexing movie. Like, this was like bottom of the barrel for me. I yeah, I don't want to sp- recommend this movie in the slightest. Uh, just in case you're curious, uh, it uh, I, I wrote down a synopsis just so that you would know what it's about and never have to know anything else about the movie. The events focus around a crisis hotline business on one crazy night during the Christmas holidays. That's 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 a fantastic synopsis. That's the whole movie. Um, <laughs> But it's 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 a truly perplexing movie because this let me let me just name off some of the the members of this cast: Steve Martin, Madeline Kahn, Rob Reiner, Parker Posey, John Stewart, Gary Shandling. Hell, a cameo by Stephen Wright. Written and directed by Nora 
And uh, Delia Efron, a.k.a. a duo that has norm- numerous huge hits such as When Harry Met Sally, Sleepless in Seattle, You've Got Mail, Julie and Julia. I haven't seen a single one of those movies, by the way, but a lot of people like them. <laughs> what happened here? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be too mean to it. It was trying, but I feel like it just like a lot of these kind of uh, misfires, it just it, it didn't have a consistent tone. There was like a lot of melodramatic scenes that were just like kind of slapped between really playful comedic scenes. Um, like there was just like this suicide joke in one scene. And then a few scenes later, it was like a full on kind of backstory about why working for this suicide hotline like means so much to this one character. Yeah. It, 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 it was like, it was trying to be a black comedy or like, you know, like a, like a darkish type comedy while also being a lighthearted whimsical comedy while also being a slapstick. Mm-hmm. And it was trying all these things and, and it was, it failed at every single one of them. Yeah. And, uh, it's f- f- focusing on Sandler. Um, he went kind of all out silly in his yes. role. It was like full on SNL Sandler with his ukulele, Playing little I, I, wacky songs. I actually thought his performance wasn't terrible. Um, it, it was hard. Out of the movie. Yeah, it's hard for me to tell because it didn't fit in the movie no, at all. it didn't but fit at all. Yeah, it was very much just like full-on wacky Adam Sandler, um, which a- as I've gone through these movies, I think I've realized that him, that he just, he doesn't work as well when he's just being the full-on silly Unless like the movie is kind of really like working around that. Yeah. Just personally, I don't find it as funny. Maybe if I was eight years old again, I would have found his performance in this funny, but um, (laughs) I don't like the like obnoxious, wacky Sandler as much as I used to. I'm learning. Also, before we jump on from mixed nuts, I got to talk about Steve Martin's hairpiece in this movie, <laughs> which was one of the most disturbing things I've seen out of all these movies. Uh, you said you thought maybe it was just dyed brown? Maybe I'm wrong, but it very much looked like a very weird, cheap wig to me. See, it reminded me... See, like I wasn't paying that much attention to it other than I thought it looked weird. and But like it reminded me of there was a scene in one of the Father of the Brides where he dyes his hair. Mm-hmm. Cause he's having like a midlife crisis because he's going to have another kid. That was the second one. Yeah. And, and he dyes his hair. And so I just, I, I saw this movie and I was like, Oh, okay. So it's like that. And then I didn't think much of it. Cause I was too perplexed by where the comedy was. Yeah. It wasn't there. Yeah, I'd say Madeline Kahn is probably the highlight of that movie yeah, for I me. She did great. She was, she tried to make it work. But yeah, enough mixed nuts <laughs> for now. That's a great saying uh, or uh, sentence. Enough mixed nuts uh, and, just forever. And unless I'm missing something, I think this marks uh, us actually getting into the proper Herlihy Sandler. Yes. With Billy Madison. Sean tan lotion is good for me. He was born into privilege. Oh, really, fool? Really? And stood to inherit a fortune. But for 27-year-old Billy Madison, 
there's just one problem. How could I hand over my company to someone who couldn't even get through school? That's nice. Billy is not an idiot. Oh, oh, oh. Give me one more chance. I'll prove I can take over. First grade through 12th grade, all over again. And then I get to take over Madison Hotels. You're on. I want you all to meet Billy. Don't you think it's a little pathetic that just because of who your father is, you get to come to school all over again? Yes, I do. Bingo. Which, uh, arrived. I'll let you start with, with Billy Madison here on, uh, your, your kind of thoughts on it this time around. Um, I don't know how long it had been, uh, for you since you had seen it all the way through. Um... Well, like a few months ago, I was in a weird mood and I watched it. But um, when I put it on, like I, I, I knew it well enough. I wasn't really paying a whole lot of attention to it. This time around, I don't know. It felt different because I'd watched all these other Adam Sandler movies leading up into it. And um, it, uh, what I wrote down was um, uh hot damn do i love this freaking movie the story is nonsense but so is the world and the characters in a way that never quite occurs again in any adam sandler film afterwards the jokes aren't punchliney rather this is a movie doing everything it can to be weird and loving it i honestly wish his movies would have stayed as absurd as this afterwards i mean as strange as some of the characters in his films after this like the water boy are this whole world was a cartoon and it worked. Of course, a few of the things that would later become staples in his films eventually to the point of irritation do exist here, namely product placement. And I think this film with its passion for snack packs, it's probably the most harmless his product placement in his movies will ever be. But um, follow just, just so anyone listening who hasn't seen them, Moving on, we'll know every single one of Adam Sandler's movies gets very, very obnoxious about product placement. Yes, yeah, uh, this one, yeah, this one. Um, overall, I just, I, I just, I had a whole lot of fun watching it. It was, it's a crazy, wacky cartoon, and everything is completely insane. And they don't care. They just like we're just going to be weird with it. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. Um. It, it was fun this time around. I, it had been a few years for me. Um, I had forgotten kind of like, I, I mean, obviously I remember a lot of the jokes being very absurdist uh, and very uh, just weird, but I had completely forgotten how like the whole atmosphere of the movie is, is this like surreal kind of tone to it. I think a lot of that comes from the music. Um, this score is just, it, it's almost like curb your enthusiasm, wacky, just like all this oboe. Uh, it just a very zany kind of soundtrack that puts you in this really weird movie uh yeah it really sets the tone um from the start though and throughout the movie i was kind of surprised that when just focusing on sandler himself and his performance uh a lot of it didn't really land for me. Um, a, a lot yeah. of his specific delivery, because he he's just trying to go full on kind of wacky 
and oh, it, it can really be obnoxious wacky. in some parts. Uh, the whole opening sequence didn't really get any good laughs out of me. I don't know if that's just because I know it so well or because of uh, just me looking at it through a new lens. The first laugh of the movie for me actually was a uh, one of those product placement moments, and it was Eric, uh, who is, in my opinion, this time through, one of the MVPs of this movie. Bradley Whitford rocks as the villain. He was so great. Uh, But his line, uh, sorry, doesn't put the Trisket crackers into my stomach was like just like every time he gets angry, there's 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 a funny moment. He chokes Mm -hmm. on a hot dog. Another time he gets angry (laughs) and uh, he uh, he throws a stapler and uh, puts a secretary in a coma Mm -hmm. and is. There's just so many crazy moments <laughs> with Bradley Whitford as the villain, and like this one and the next movie are the only two Sandler movies with really really good villains. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, Darren McCavin also just this this whole cast really supports the kind of zaniness of the movie and hits that tone like really well. I think every character, I think they really thought about. On how do they fit into this this weirdness? Yeah. It um, honestly made me wish that he brought uh, Norm Macdonald along for more of his movies because I just I don't know I just think that the he just fits into this absurdity so well. Mm-hmm. The only character I think that just it didn't fit and it started kind of uh, the shameful trend through a lot of his movies of uh, just kind of flat female leads that. Um, uh, maybe uh, flat writing wise, I don't mean their performance at all. I, I just mean the very kind of uh, generic female leads that are only there to serve Sandler's characters. Uh, I think Bridget yeah. Wilson uh, did did a great job as Veronica Vaughn. I, yeah, that, that's what that's what I wrote down. Is like it's it's astounding how much character she has for having no character, mm-hmm. solely due to Bridget Wilson just. Just like bringing a persona without having much yeah. to do in the movie. Yeah, it's, it's a shame that she doesn't really get any jokes and she doesn't really get to contribute to the kind of zaniness. Uh, all, yeah. all she is is just, hey, it's the romantic lead, which mm-hmm. really kind of is a problem for a lot of these movies. And we'll go down that rabbit hole as we go. Yeah, um, Juanita, though, hilarious with every line. works so well i I wrote down some of the moments that just like build to this movie being so surreal consistently Uh, i love the sloppy joe lady it just that's sloppy yeah i was i I rewatched the clip of that the other day because i just remembered like just how how bizarrely constructed that whole scene is (laughs) just that lady's performance Uh is just like genuinely terrifying yeah i think some of the later (laughs) ones like um all the weirder, more cartoonish moments aren't really like uh, like all the other characters don't seem to be a part of it. But I think that's what makes Billy Madison so surreal is that everyone in this world is a part of this absurdity. Like everyone oh, yeah. laughs at the clown when he's down, bleeding <laughs> yeah. out of his face. Yeah. And they all cheer whenever he, he gets back up in the song later. Mm-hmm. Or the... One of my favorite moments is uh, is got to be every part with Chris Farley. He really builds to this yes. absurdity. Um, yeah, Eric's secretary in the coma. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah. uh, them watching that weird dog show and have this being like, oh my God, that's so funny. Just speak for yourself, moron. <laughs> Um, but yet, uh, I, I was surprised that I enjoyed as much as I did. I was expecting to be like, oh yeah, Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore. I know those movies so well. This is, yeah, I, I was actually dreading it a little bit just because oh, yeah. I thought it'd be boring to rewatch them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was just, I, I was, I was pretty impressed by this movie. It just at how little it cares about trying to make a coherent movie it just wants to be ridiculous well i think that it 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 knew like uh the tone to you know that that a ridiculous tone from the start and it, it works it really hard at keeping that tone consistent tamara oh, davis yeah. did a great job on it she's directed a handful of other uh classic comedies like half-baked yeah. uh she made which isn't as uh, surreal, but also has a very absurd tone throughout. Oh, yeah. And if anybody listening has a chance to get a hold of like a DVD of this movie, her commentary on this film, like I watched it years ago with the commentary. And not only is it insightful, but yeah, she's really interesting on all the things she did to help make sure that it's it stayed as absurd as humanly possible. I, I did even and even the filmmaking itself uh, has its own kind of jokes to say too. I love when they're doing like his training montage before the academic uh, decathlon and <laughs> he's studying with the uh, the like Cajun French uh, guy and it pans back and forth between them going what or slow down and then oh <laughs> just that that panning back and forth sells that joke so well. Yep. Um, I do yeah, want to so talk good. about uh, you know you brushed it over it at the start of the show in your um like essay about his uh his kind of tone deafness in, in a lot of his movies and how uh i don't know uh ethically questionable some of his jokes get and um i don't yeah. think there's that many in billy madison but uh no. uh the dodgeball scene has been kind of reported by like you know people that were there that he really went all out uh at chunking those dodgeballs at the kids. Um, and I've heard conflicting stories on like how bad that was and stuff. I actually, I found a clip of him on Conan O'Brien um, talking about it years later. And okay. he kind of sounded like an asshole about it, the way he was dismissive about it. He was like, oh yeah, just 20 years ago. Uh, you know, I don't really remember that much, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll play it for you guys. You can make your own decision on how you feel about it. Uh, Adam Sandler in that. You mentioned Billy Madison. And yeah. I just want to ask you this story because the okay. dodgeball scene in that movie is so yeah. great. Yeah, where yeah. you're whipping the dodgeballs yeah. at kids, and then I found out later on, and I don't know if it's true, <laughs> that uh, that that didn't go quite as you thought it would go. It wasn't set up correctly. It was. I, it was our first movie that we were doing, and, and we had some control of, and we wrote that movie. Billy Madison is the dodgeball scene. I'm hitting all these first graders, really with, hard, really hard, with the dodgeball, and so we go to shoot it. And this is like 20 years ago, guys, so I'm just guessing if this is correct. But I, 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 so I hit some kid pretty hard, and he gets upset, and he starts crying. And then the parents all come up to me, and they're like, hey, what's the deal? And I was like, what do you mean? What happened? And they're like, you're the kid. You nailed that kid. I was like, oh, no, 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 that's the scene. I'm supposed to, I'm like a big guy, went back to school. I'm supposed to 
plug all these kids as part of the joke. And they were like, oh, no, no, no. And I was like, what are you talking about? They're like, oh, I said, well, didn't they read the script? They go, they're, they're six. They don't read yet. I, like, well, I said, but I know, yeah, come on. And anyways, I uh, said, all right, I won't do it or something. And I think I told the guys to roll anyways, and I nailed a bunch of kids. And... Uh, <laughs> Something awful like that. But those kids uh, grew up, and guess who they are today? Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's a terrible story. Um, but I guess uh, if you don't have anything else to say about Billy Madison, we, we can move on to... No. Um, and, and with, like, the, the yeah, ethic, ethics, speaking of not business ethics. <laughs> um, but, uh, I don't know. I read a few places, uh, people comparing Juanita's character to like a, uh, the stereotypical mammy role to okay. start it yeah, with like I gone in the that. wind. And I, I could, I could, I could definitely see that. Um, I don't think that there was an intention there in the slightest, but at the same time, sometimes things don't have to have an intention to end up yeah. not working yeah, no, out that's so definitely well, like it's a damaging stereotype i i'm glad that oh, she yeah. got her own kind of character and her own jokes but um i, I could see that mm-hmm. and so like i i read one thing where somebody was trying to figure out if it was like is it smart enough of a movie to be an intentional spoof of that stereotype or is it just throwing out the in the stereotype and then making the character funny as well and i think it's the latter i don't think yeah. they they were thinking that hard on if they were gonna upend after you know, watching like, this many billy uh, uh adam sandler movies um i don't think he puts that much thought into uh politics and uh and actually making kind of pensive decisions uh, yeah i don't think there's that much thought in his movies at all no but um, the budget for this movie was $10 million, and they got back $26.4 million in the box office. So his first movie out was already making money. Didn't make, like, a ton, it, it, but it doubled their budget and, um, and created enough disdain from the critics for him to officially not talk to the press ever again. At least he, not for uh, a while. I know he has done more recent interviews, like, in the past few years. Not like only for the only time he talks to press is while a movie is um, while he's doing the junket okay. or a movie being released. Uh, he'll go on and do light interviews on like uh, late night shows mm. and small short interviews, basically where he can control what gets said. He'll never he do, he refuses to do any in depth like uh, print articles mm. because of how hurt he was by critics responses to like uh, to this movie specifically and that uh, was uh that was only the beginning yeah yeah that was uh but um and then just to close out billy madison i'm gonna do something very embarrassing but in 2006 when i, uh, I was 16 um i wrote a bunch uh this was around the end of my big sandler period but uh i i ended up writing a bunch of amazon reviews for a handful of his movies and um this one uh, i wrote i actually this one i'm not i'm not too embarrassed by it's not bad some of my other ones that come later i i have very differing opinions on now and so but for this one 
I'm going to read uh, out uh, this review. It's, it's available on Amazon if you're digging through old reviews. But uh, this movie is for any person that considers themselves an Adam Sandler fan. For some of those people, it is his worst. For some, his best. It all depends on if you like a completely random movie that involves burning dog poo and the human response, people on fire, three drunken losers, pickle racing, peeing your pants, sloppy joes, dodgeball, an invisible penguin, and gibberish. In a nutshell, if you do not think that a scene involving Billy talking about how cool it is to pee your pants and an old lady replies, if peeing your pants is cool, then consider me Miles Davis and Billy replying, that was the grossest thing I've ever heard, let's go, funny, then you will not like the movie. (laughs) Basically, it's a classic that any Adam Sandler fan should own, whether it's too stupid for your taste or not. Five stars. There you go. There you go. I mean, I feel like you spoiled a lot of good jokes there. Yeah, I kind of did. That's pretty great, though. <laughs> I think if I digged around, I could find some uh, some Amazon reviews I did uh, while drunk of like vacuum cleaners. But that's probably probably about all I got. That's great. Um, I guess we we need to keep moving here. It, it's yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> rolling along. We got a lot of movies. <laughs> yeah happy gilmore um i happy think gilmore as his company is named this is like you know the uh the prototypical sandler movie as well as kind of like billy madison laid that groundwork oh yeah if if billy madison was the foundation this was the, the blueprint yep For 400 years, golf has been a gentleman's game. A game of tradition, etiquette, and above all, sportsmanship. Until now. Y'all ready for this? Meet Happy Gilmore. He was a hockey player. My puck, baby! Don't you ever touch my puck! Who was skating on thin ice. But when his grandma needed his help... Mrs. Gilmore owes the IRS $270,000. We're going to have to sell the house to someone else. But she's an old lady. I mean, look at her. She's old. He discovered a new talent. That house is like 400 yards away. That's unbelievable. Now he's going from the links. Step right up, folks. See if you can outdrive the amazing golf ball uh, whacker guy. To the links. Hey, where are you going on those clubs, punk? I'm your caddy. He's gonna be on the tour. That's that's super. He's got the swing. He's got the drive. He shoots. He scores. He's got oh. the balls. Oh god, I hurt a little, but I'm all right. Quite a large and economically diverse crowd here at the Invitational. I guess it's the new tour sensation, Happy Gilmore. And I feel hey, like, like this, uh, for the first time, is like the modern Sandler performance. In a nutshell, this is like him finally kind of getting that voice. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think he really figures out how he wants to do these with this movie. Some of his later ones kind of figure out how he can do it without like being the sole source of the the jokes, I guess. Mm-hmm. But like this one, yeah, it, it's like he, he basically figured out his his blueprint for how to construct oh, a yeah. movie oh, yeah. 
And unlike, you know, um, Billy Madison, where I feel like so much of the humor comes from the world and the side characters and um, just the absurdity of it all, I feel like almost all the humor in this movie comes directly from Sandler and his performance. Oh, 100%. Like, yeah, there's uh, there are jokes surrounding the other characters, but yeah, he's he's the sole focus. Like, everything revolves around uh, like him in terms of the comedy. And it, it's a lot more grounded than uh, than Billy Madison, um, mm-hmm. a lot more so. And also, we'll get to it, but yeah, just like the other Dennis Dugan-directed one, Big Daddy, um, yeah, it, it's very kind of character-focused. He, he plays the prototypical Sandler, every man who has some rage issues. Yeah. It's... And who has a heart of gold, and you love him, I guess. Yeah. A re- uh, the synopsis is a rejected hockey player puts his skills to the golf course to save his grandmother's house. That's that's it. <laughs> but um, but yeah, uh, I mean, and and this one had some. I mean, like even though he was the sort, like pretty much the number one source of the comedy. Like I don't know, like uh, it had a pretty great cast. Yeah. Um, what was it? Uh. Just like uh, while I, I I do give Bradley Whit, uh, Whitford like the, the the like I guess the the uh, best villain trophy for the Sandler movies I, I give Chris McDonald like like so close runner up like it's arguable that he's be- I don't know that they're 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 definitely neck and neck when it comes to the Adam Sandler villains because he's got some hilarious moments. Mm-hmm. He's great. Uh, Carl Weathers, obviously great. Um, oh, absolutely. Joe Flaherty. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think he doesn't fit in as well into this movie as uh, some of the other characters, but I, I do think he works, and he made me oh, laugh. Oh, absolutely. And he's like, yeah, he's he's the one everybody quotes when they're quoting Happy Gilmore. If they're not quoting, you know, get in your hole, mm-hmm. they're quoting, you jackass. Yeah, you know, I think... This might be, um, out of all the Hurley Sandler scripts, this might be the most quotable. Yeah, it, it's it's one of the most polished. Like, it went through five drafts, including an, uh, an uncredited rewrite by Judd Apatow. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they, they actually really cared about um, getting the golf stuff accurate. Like, um, they, they got a pro golfer um, named Mark Lai to, uh, consult on the script. And he basically kept rejecting it for like five drafts until it finally got accurate enough for him to give it approval. But they also worked on the comedy. Like I'd say this is one of their most polished in terms of drafting script wise. Mm-hmm. And Ben Stiller though, my favorite part, I think if we're going to rate like, uh, best Sandler side characters, I'm going to throw Farley from Billy Madison on there. And I'm going to throw Ben Stiller from Happy Gilmore on there as probably yeah, I guess, top tier. I, I got, yeah, it, it, it really bothers me that this, like, hit their St- Stiller in Happy Gilmore would be the first and last time that Adam Sandler and Ben Stiller would be in a film together until the Meyerowitz story, stories, which is 21 years later. <laughs> and it's really a shame because in that movie, the Meyerowitz stories, their chemistry on screen is like fantastic. Oh, yeah, they work great. together brilliantly. And it's just like, what, why have they not worked together more? You know, mm-hmm. 
Um, looking at the seams of Happy Gilmore, though, this time around, um, I do think all, a, a lot of the absurd jokes that they threw in there didn't work as well for me because of how grounded the majority of the movie is um, and, and because of how grounded his character is. Like him fighting the uh, the alligator that had, uh, that had taken Chubb's hand, um, that, that didn't really, I didn't find it a, as humorous as I used to. Because okay. I feel like it kind of breaks the the world that they've built. Yeah, yeah. I I thought that, yeah I I thought a lot of the I I found <coughs> excuse me I found a lot more of the uh, subtle humor funnier mm-hmm. in a way like when he's uh when he's arguing with Shooter McGavin and then uh he's uh and and they get heated and Shooter McGavin is just like uh. I'll, I'll kick your ass and then he's like oh and then he just smashes a glass like a, yeah. a bottle mm-hmm. and, he's, and, and he's like oh, I'm in on the golf course and I just thought that some, like that type of humor was like really funny because it was both character building and it was uh, it worked within the movie exactly yeah it's so much like all the funniest lines in this movie come from the Sandler being natural uh, mm-hmm. and this is where like he fully kind of, I think, found his comedic voice in this. Yeah, screaming at a, uh, at a, what do you call that? Like just a, a fake prop clown mm-hmm. in a putt putt course, <laughs> uh, breaking its nose off. <laughs> we we talked a little bit of Alan Covert uh, when we were talking about going overboard. Um, Yes, Alan Covert. So now he he's become like his full uh, first full kind of side character uh, out of yes. a long and endless series of them. Yeah. So as of right now, I'll put him as the uh, the homeless uh, caddy number one <laughs> because. <laughs> But as we go throughout, we'll we'll see if uh, if if he beats that with any of his other characters. I, I don't know if he's going to. Uh, the homeless caddy was pretty good. Um, he was initially going to play Jack in uh, Billy Madison. Um, oh, okay. But but apparently the studio t- told him told Adam Sandler no. And I wonder if out of spite he said, "Well, fine, I'm going to make sure he's in every single one of my movies <laughs> after this." Yeah, maybe that. Uh, yeah. I could I don't see. Know. It. In terms of little uh, trivia here, there uh, apparently Christopher McDonald turned down Shooter several times because he was worried he was going to be typecast as a villain. But eventually, he read the script, met with Sandler, and turned it around. But some of the runner-ups for the role included uh, Kevin Costner, who turned it down, and I'm kind of glad he did. He kind of sucks funny out of the air. <laughs> Um, but someone who lobbied really hard for it and really wanted the role was Bruce Campbell. Really? And like, I want to know what that would have been like. I mean, I, I, I think Bruce Campbell can be absolutely hilarious. Yeah. I look forward to talking about him during our, uh, horror comedies episode coming up. That's true. October's coming up. We got, we, we, we've been brainstorming about doing a, uh, our first listicle about, uh, Picking horror comedies, what are our yeah. favorites? But we got yeah. Sandler to get to, man. We can't be getting off yeah, script like that. I was just uh, th- come yeah, on. That was just, that was... <laughs> uh, getting back to like what we were talking about with uh, with Bridget Wilson, uh, Julie Bowen, who has she's a great actor. Um, I feel like 
once again was given just a really kind of lackluster part as Virginia Bennett. Yes. Um, really lacking I, I, in character other than just being there as Happy Gilmore's uh, love interest. Yeah, I I thought, yeah. I, and and I, was, I, I don't know. I thought it seemed almost like she herself was phoning in the performance as well because of how little she was given in the script. I mean, I wouldn't blame her. But yeah, like it was, it was, it was rough for her for sure. She was not given much at all. I do think talking about female characters though, Francis Bay as grandma, um, when, when Adam Sandler is saying, you know, when they're trying to repossess all her stuff and he's like, no, you can't take it from her. She's just too old. Her like you body language and facial expressions there are hilarious. Yeah. Now she's trying to like be like selling it and nodding her head. Like, yes, I'm too old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was great. Um, yeah, there's a, what's up? There's some good. Yeah, I was. There's some solid. Prefer- I I think this is probably my favorite of the Robert Smigel cameos. Okay, I can see that. When he's playing, like he plays just like this doofus tax uh, tax guy who's working for the IRS mm-hmm. and has to take the stuff, but he really doesn't want to be disliked. <laughs> I just, I thought that that character was just a fairly clever way of doing things. They could have just made him just a typical stooge, just like yeah, I got to do it, and then no no dialogue, but. He just kept getting worried that Happy Gilmore was going to hate him for doing this. Mm-hmm. He's like, I, I, it's not my fault. You hate me, don't you? Well, I thought that was humorous. Yeah. I don't know. Chlorophyll guy. Miles great. Yeah. But um, one thing I was curious is uh, what's going on? Mark's, Mark Mothersbaugh did the score for this movie. And it movie. was great. And it just like uh, Billy Madison, kind of, it, it's weird, surreal score kind of helped it up. I, I think Mark Mothersbaugh's score, as well as the the soundtrack picks, really helped this movie find its tone. Yeah. yeah I, th- I, thought, I thought it was good. I almost, but like, yeah, I was just, I was wondering if he did have an overall score that was taken out of the movie other than just like the, the little bits he puts in here and there. And then they, they replace it with um, Leonard, Leonard Skinner playing that riff through most of the, the major, yeah, that was the, the main movie. theme that like, yeah, the Skinner song. Yeah. And so I was, I was wondering if there was, if there was a reason why they went with, if they were just trying to make it more like uh Skinner desk, just down home <laughs> character type thing. I mean, that, that's I mean, it a, it's a through line through most of his movies, as we'll get to. It seems like he likes classic rock, and these yeah. are songs he likes. Uh, I think I, I forgot to talk about it with Going Overboard that uh, some of those songs in there like were songs that he performed. It seems like music uh, is a big part of these movies, uh, yeah, for him. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I forgot about that in Going Overboard. Yeah, he performed majority of the films yeah pretty much all of them but uh i don't have much else to say about happy gilmore i think so far this is his best as a as an actor as a performer and i think that like this performance really lays the groundwork to all of his kind of great greatest performances even like dramatic ones included i, I think he really found his uh his voice as an actor in, in happy gilmore yeah i thought he uh yeah i thought it, it was a solid, solid comedy. It's a, but it, it got me nervous about what's to come because of how 
the, the, this is basically just the blueprint for every single movie that follows. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The, uh, the consistent I, I callbacks say, were, were a big yeah, part of it. The, the shaking of wish, the guy's head that, that became a thing even in later movies. Yep. Yep. Though that was great in this movie. Um, but uh, I, I, I do wish Carl Weathers was in more Sandler films or even just comedy in general. He's great. Because he's great in this. He's great in Arrested Development. And it's just, he needs to do more comedies. His Chubbs character is probably one of my all-time favorite mentor figures in movies. Mm-hmm. But, I would uh, agree. Yeah, let's, agree. let's move on to uh, the next one. Uh, bulletproof. Bulletproof. Undercover police officer named Rock Keats befriends a drug dealer and a car thief named Archie Moses in a bid to catch the villainous drug lord, Frank Colton. Directed by Ernest R. Dickerson, who has uh, who's done a ton of projects since then. Uh, notably, he was a cinematographer on Do the Right Thing and Malcolm X. Um, also, uh, written by Joe Gayton. Not a... Uh, typical Sandler vehicle this was more so just one he signed on to yeah yeah and actually um I heard an interview uh of him recently actually about um uh, it was it was a Conan O'Brien interview and Uh he was they were talking about when they first met and um and that Adam Sandler had told him that he kind of uh really admired Bill Murray and Bill Murray's ability to kind of have his finger in a bunch of different pies at the same time to, be able to play a dramatic role and then play a comedic role one after another. And, and I feel like that really kind of shapes uh, you know, my perspective on some of these film choices uh, early on. Um, and I, f- I feel like Bulletproof is a good example of that, even though it seems like it was supposed to be more comedic than it turned out. Yeah. It, it, it's still, uh, I, I feel like he probably chose it just for the sake of trying something different. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was just trying to branch out. And um, a lot of the things I was reading about the movie was, yeah, it was just supposed to be this, you know, like this hard R comedy close, similar to like 48 Hours with the uh, uh, Eddie Murphy film. And uh, it got, and Ernest R. Dickerson. Uh, said that uh, he he's uh, very critical about this movie, and he said it was castrated by the producers. Yeah, it, it was a mess of a movie. I don't want to rip it apart too much, but I definitely could. This could be its own episode uh, of just tearing this this movie apart because uh, <laughs> not that many parts of it really worked at all. It seemed like the editing room really slaughtered this uh, this movie. Uh, yeah. There was. The whole sequence after um, Wayne, Damon Wayne's character uh, gets shot, and then it, it proceeds to be like this kind of six-minute-long montage with him. Would that just ends with him getting back out there? It, it just—they make this dramatic beat of him getting shot for really no purpose at all. Um, no, I probably just for the title. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was that. Uh, that one cop uh, from from Sister Act, though, that was in this. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, he, I did enjoy that. Uh, same character, probably. Yep. And then uh, Alan Covert does show up as a cop. That's true. That's true. He was in this. 
And um, and then uh, future col- forever collaborator Jonathan Lofren also in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, overall, yeah, not a whole lot to say about this movie. I I thought it was just just a bizarre movie that felt heavily edited and. I, I'm hoping that the chemistry between Adam Sandler and Damon Wayans was part of what fell apart in the editing, but like based on the movie itself, it just, it, it seemed almost as if they were in separate rooms while interacting <laughs> with each other. Yeah. And like Damon Wayans, who I have seen go all out in performances. I thought he was great in the last boy scout and he definitely went all in and major pain just, felt like he was kind of phoning in this performance. He just like didn't care. Yeah. And then Adam Sandler, I don't know. Sometimes he, it seemed like he was trying too hard and then it, it I don't wasn't know. It a just, consistent. He was nailing down a character. Yeah, that just exactly. Didn't fit him at all. It just, it didn't feel consistent and it was, it was hard to like him, um, which made it yeah. hard to laugh at the things he did. I got yeah. really one laugh out of the movie was, um, he kind of uh, plays uh, like seductive to this hotel clerk. Um, he he yeah. like pretends to kind of flirt with him and the hotel clerk kind of buys it, calls his wife and uh, is suggesting to her that they have a threesome. And he <laughs> says, uh, you know, to his wife, uh, how do you know you wouldn't like a little sandwich action? <laughs> and I think just because the movie was was so bland up to that point, that little like almost sliver of a joke, uh, it, it got me laughing. But that was yeah. literally the only laugh I got out of it. Um, and not not great as a comedy or a dramatic performance uh, from Sandler yeah. or really any anyone all around. Um, yeah, there were a few yeah, stunts just... that did make me laugh in the wrong ways. Yeah, there was a if 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 you're actually sitting through this movie, there's a sequence where Adam Sandler's character has to jump on a motorcycle and and like get out of uh, a building with a whole bunch of cops and bad guys and stuff. And there is somebody who is obviously not Adam Sandler going down a ramp on a motorcycle, <laughs> like completely different hair, completely different everything. And and then it just cuts to his face on the motorcycle. I was like, what? Wait. <laughs> I was supposed to... Oh, that was him. Yeah, and that's one of the few stunts that actually even uses a double. I feel like a lot of times they just completely cut out the stunt itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The ending was probably the most baffling and most Adam Sandler thing to me. Uh, It it ended with this, like, wacky kind of callback kind of moment uh, where it, like, reined in a bunch of the like half jokes that were in the movie it just it felt like the end of a sandler movie but for a movie that wasn't a sandler movie Uh uh-huh exactly pretty baffling yep let's uh let's move on yeah that doesn't get any of the best side character got nothing nothing Hey guys, Ryan from the future. Um, Just a quick little intermission to give you guys a break from the Adam Sandler talk for at least like 30 seconds. Um, Just here to update you on the next episode of Gag Reel Pod. The next one we will be doing is uh, about the new movie uh, 
the Seth Rogen comedy and American Pickle, which is available on HBO Max. That'll be coming out in two weeks. And uh, and, and watch it. Write us in uh, to gagreelpod at gmail.com. Uh, tell, tell us what you think, and we'll include your thoughts on the episode. Um, yeah, we've been getting some feedback. Quick shout-out to DJ Glowing Ice, who, who uh, sent us a, a kind email. Um, write in. Uh, tell us what you think. Enjoy the rest of all this Adam Sandler nonsense. Sorry, it's a little rougher than previous episodes. Frankly, because I didn't want to edit uh, meticulously three hours of Adam Sandler talk. There's only so much of my own voice I can stand listening to. But have a good one, guys and gals and all sorts of people. And enjoy the rest of the trial of Adam Sandler. The next thing on the docket, the wedding sing. Next hurla he Sandler. Yeah. This time directed by Frank Ferrazzi. Ferrazzi. Who uh, also, what, he's directed a handful of other Sandler movies. He's part of the big uh, Katamari that um, that, that Adam Sandler's rolling around. Yeah. He did a double feature in 98 with both Wedding Singer and The Waterboy. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. Wedding singer Robbie, a wedding singer, and Julia, a waitress, are both engaged, but to the wrong people. Fortune intervenes to help them discover each other. Yeah, that's what happens. Um, that, that is what happens. Well, what were your thoughts on this this time around? Um, I, I was, I was, uh, I was pretty impressed by it, actually. Um... I wrote out a long spiel, but I, I mean, I don't have to read all of it. Mm. That's up to you. Um, um it was kind of like, I don't know. I was, I, I was kind of sucked into the, this, this movie. Like, uh, what I, what I wrote was, uh, there's a scene where Sandler's character raises a kid's spirits after being rejected to dance with a girl he liked by having Drew Barrymore's character dance with him. Started off sweet, and then I got a bit concerned when the kid grabs her tushy while dancing at Adam Sandler, tells a shocked Drew Barrymore to just go with it. I was a bit disappointed because I guess I was thinking too critically, hoping instead for Drew to grab his hands and put them back on her waist and give the kid a micro lesson on how to treat women. Then... Adam Sandler goes and dances with a girl sitting by herself and immediately puts her hands on his ass. Then a couple old people dancing start grabbing their asses. Then Alan Covert's limo driver character and Robert Smigel's cook, both lonely characters, start dancing and grabbing each other's asses. It's a sequence that, especially the final slightly homophobic punchline, my brain was telling me not necessarily to be offended, but that maybe this shit don't fly. 
one of those kids is going to be dancing with someone years from now and tries grabbing their ass <laughs> and it will not turn out great for them. But I couldn't help but laugh fairly hard. It was just enough nonsense to turn itself around as sweet. And for all the problems you could find in it, I could only come out of the scene feeling that this just this is just a sweet, innocent, dumb comedy. And I'm starting to wonder... I'm about to be reconverted to the cult of Sandler, a cult that doesn't care about clever spins on tropes so long as they're funny, a cult that doesn't care about where the camera is positioned in a scene as long as a funny line is given, a cult that includes potentially offensive humor because Sandler is possibly too nice a guy to tell his friend Rob Schneider that maybe these characters he plays aren't cool, man. But that's just a possible way of excusing something that probably shouldn't be excused. We'll see as we go along, but I worry that when I come out of this exploration into Sandler, I may never be the same again. But back to the film itself, I found a very delightful, sweet, and funny romantic comedy that did a surprising job providing an eclectic cast with some really solid or funny moments without going out of the way to make fun of them. Take Rosie, for instance. She's a sweet old lady who wants to sing Till There Was You. There were plenty of moments where they could have made jokes at her expense to boost Adam Sandler's character, Robbie. Like she could have been really bad at singing and to emphasize how hard Robbie works and how much patience he has, or even how sweet he is to pretend she sounds great. Instead, nothing is put in place to make fun of her. Even the fact that she pays him in meatballs feels less of a joke at her expense, but rather a character quote that develops her as a damn good cook. The fact that she sings Rapper's Delight is another quirk that doesn't feel like, haha, look at this weird old lady, but rather just an amusing moment from someone who you wouldn't imagine would know the lyrics to that song. Uh, one of the more potential trouble spots would come from Robbie's band member, George, where it's obvious several of the jokes are put on her. But in a lot of ways, that's open to audience interpretation. Like never once do the characters in the movie demonstrate uncomfortable attitudes or hatred towards her in appearance. In fact, they seem to support her fully while the audience is laughing at the subversion of having her come out in a rocking dress during the dress up montage. All the characters in the movie are all in awe because she nails the outfit. Uh, the one scene where characters do seem uncomfortable by her being there is entirely due to her performing Do You Really Want to Hurt Me at a wedding reception. They even gave her a unique running gag involving her playing every single instrument on the freaking planet, which is really a charming type of joke. It surprises the audience and gives you an unexpected chuckle every time you see her playing something else. But uh, that's something you nece don't necessarily see in 90s comedy. Another thing I was pretty blown away by were how many rock solid performances there were in the movie. Adam Sandler, Barrymore do a good job, of course, and their chemistry is much better than any woman we'd he'd worked with in his films up to that point. We we're talking about this earlier. Um, Bridget Wilson, Veronica Vaughn is a bizarrely strong character given virtually no depth and Billy Madison, Julie Bowen's character. Yeah. Um, and so on and so forth. As we talked about, um, I I've seen her, uh, uh I've seen Julie Bowen and other things like we, we talked about. She's a good actress. She just wasn't given much. I'm skimming my paragraph now. Um, the Wedding Singer was uh, written from the ground up to be a vehicle for Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore, and it really shows. Um, but aside from the 
to uh, from them to like every other character gets a line or two that develops them further than a cookie cutter character that could have easily been put in there. And I think they're all really casted perfectly. Um, and uh, I, I just thought everything worked. I was surprised. Okay, okay. Well, you, you talk about the cult of Sandler and buying into it. I, I think this might be where uh, where, where we, we disagree here on our takes okay. on these because I, I did not drink the Kool-Aid of the wedding oh, yeah. singer in a lot of ways. Um, in that, not only that, um, that ass-grabbing dance scene, but just consistently with the way the world treats um, Drew Barrymore's uh, Julia is just okay. so sexualized. Everyone is constantly yeah, like talking about the way she looks and sexualizing her to a much more aggressive angle than like, uh, I mean, she is a very like dense and inter- interesting and entertaining character. She gives a great performance, um, which I definitely prefer over the love interests and the p- previous Hurley Sandler movies. But um, it, I feel like just by ramping up like, uh, it, it seems like they're the only reason that they sexualize her so much from these other male characters is just to make Robbie seem that much more like a sweetheart. Um, yeah, and like, I'll, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I'd agree. I don't with know that. if uh, if you, any of your listeners know about like Save the Cat, the uh, the idea, and like it, it's this screenplay book that sets up this rule and a lot of other rules on how like. It's basically like why every screenplay now, uh, for the most part, is very generic. But um, the title Save the Cat comes from the idea that you want your protagonist in the very first scene or so to, uh, you got to prove that they're likable in in a way. And I feel like this movie takes that to like the umpteenth degree and like just making Robbie Hart out to be like the the, the literal like biggest sweetheart in the world. I, I can see that almost point, yeah. to like a saccharine degree for me personally. Okay, but the, the see, I, I I don't know. I just I got sucked into it. I wasn't thinking critically. That's fair. Like I think and, a lot of the comedy works. I'm not throwing this movie away. It's just um we re- we talked about it on the phone uh, a little bit before uh, recording this at some point a few weeks ago, and you were mentioning to me about some of the movies kind of punching down and. I hadn't really thought about that. I had only watched Happy Gilmore and the previous ones at that point, which I don't think really does that as much. But I think kind of from this point on, there are those jokes. And I, uh, Alexis Arquette uh, playing George, um, I personally did think uh, that the movie kind of is pointing it out to be a weird thing a handful of times. Uh, oh, I'm not saying that it wasn't. I'm just saying that it could have been much more that's mean-spirited. True, that's true. And the fact that she got so much screen time for a movie in the 90s. That's fair. It's fair for the time. But a handful, like during that first performance of uh, Do You Really Want to Hurt Me, like well, one of like Sandler's crew in the audience says scary, like... I don't uh, think he's miss, talking I about the performance. I think he's talking about the character. And yeah, I'd, I'd, agree. I, I'd agree. I missed that line, I guess. And we never get yeah, if I any sort of dialogue from George at all. That's They true. never talk. That's also, yeah. Just personally. That's also and true. Uh, as much as I used to love the Love Hurts sequence, and Sandler's hilarious in that sequence, um, I, I do think his performance in this is a good kind of evolution of uh, of what he kind of, built with uh with happy gilmore 
and he shows even yeah. more range in this. Um, I love that sequence, but he is just generally kind of mean to uh, to the people you know that he gets to sing with him. He calls the one guy just fatty, and it's yeah, just the, a very over the top yeah. large man just there to be That's a true. large man. There's a sideburns lady. Uh, and there's yeah. Brian Posehn and the other yes. mutants at table four. Yeah. Yeah. Brian Posehn. Which, I mean, I'm, says, I'm sure they oh. were all kind of in on the joke, uh, but it, it just, it seemed kind of mean spirited. Um, and it's just like a handful of the jokes in this movie. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I concede that there were mean spirited points, but it was, I don't know. I just, I was, I guess, I was thinking of other scenes from movies that were coming coming up, and I was just like, "Well, this is the nicest." That's He'll fair. Probably- That's fair. Um, and it, it it was still like a lot of funny moments in it. Uh, I laughed quite a handful of times. Um, I, I do still like the uh, the old guy that Alan Covert becomes friends with. Yeah. Um. Even though that also yeah. kind of just becomes a Sandler formula thing of like, oh, what if like we just get some weird rando to be buddies and we do a lot of callbacks with them? Yeah, that's true. Uh, that does become a regular occurrence. Just like I, I kind of preluded with when we were talking about going overboard and um, Billy Zane playing King Neptune. Um, I feel like uh, this really kind of builds on that and kind of makes it part of the Sandler formula with... Um, Billy Idol. With Billy Idol, yes. Yep. Uh, but Let's it's very our, funny, though, and it cameo. seems more original here than, obviously, the, the future kind of endeavors with that joke. And uh, Yeah, yeah, it's a it's it's original that they brought in Billy Idol. The whole getting the, the entire uh, airplane involved in it is almost exactly like the uh, the end of Wayne's World. Yeah, that's true. But... But it, I thought that, I thought and, it still and worked. I, I in think this it, movie. it works better. The cameo works better in this because it's um, uh, it, it is a period piece, you know, and, and they're going all yeah. out all the time with making it fun '80s stuff. So what a bizarre thing to do, though, because this came out in '98. Uh-huh. Like the '80s was just barely over. <laughs> like what a strange thing to do is just like let's jump back a single decade. I don't know. That's just m- most movies that are period pieces typically go a decade, like a couple decades, mm-hmm. maybe even three decades back. Yeah. Like around the same time as this was coming out, pretty much everything was throwing back to the seventies. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to look up his name. Here we go. Cause I got another, um, I got, I got another elective here for the best Sandler side characters. And that's Frank Severo's character of the brother-in-law, Andy. I, I Yeah. It, it, I, I love it when he gives that spiel. And then right afterwards, he's like, I don't know what I just said. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's like a kind of different shtick than, uh, than is typical for a Sandler movie. It just, yeah. this, this weird mobster guy that's hanging out with them. Yeah, this very over the top uh, Italian dude. Uh, mm-hmm. I just poured water all over myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. you know, I, I liked Alan Covert and um, in Happy Gilmore, uh, but I think he gets yeah. some 
pretty funny moments here. Like he actually gets some lines and he delivers them okay. He's a, he's a, actually shows like oh maybe there's a reason why Sandler brings this guy around. He can actually like deliver yeah. some comedy. I thought yeah I thought he did a pretty decent job in this movie. He made me laugh several times. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he made the line they were cones funny, but he does it. Yeah, that's that's such a good line. They were cones, you know. <laughs> um, it, it you hit two cones. Well, when 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 we leap frog onto Water Boy, I, I want to compare these a little bit because it is interesting. They both came out same year by the same director. I think there's a lot of connective tissue between them. They were also like box office juggernauts. Um, back to going back into the box office uh talk uh i didn't mention it earlier but happy gilmore with a budget of 12 million made 41.2 million and so there's there's a rise in the uh the chart from billy madison and then uh which doubled this uh happy gilmore made a uh three quarters back um this one was a budget of 18 million and it made 123 million. Jeez. Like it made a ton and it's just, it just keeps going up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we get to Waterboy, yeah, that one, that one as well. I guess it's fair to note that, like, just like, um, I feel like, uh, Happy Gilmore kind of really set the tone for his, uh, his acting chops. I feel like this really kind of set the, uh, the kind of side narrative of that of his like very hard rom-coms like where the romance is such a big part of it that ended yeah. up being kind of half of his movies later on yeah that's uh yeah this one this one set the stage for yeah every every bit of his rom com <laughs> moving forward christine taylor also i forgot to mention she's she's also great alongside drew mary more yeah. very flushed out characters yeah I, I i thought i thought she did I, she surprised me in this movie as well because it made me wonder i was just like why does she not get more roles because she did such a good job in this mm-hmm. but uh i don't have much else to say about the wedding singer no um it featured the return of steve buscemi that's true he's back he's in uh he's in another sandler he's hanging out doing his thing um yeah and um had a really good cameo from john lovitz that's also true he's pretty funny much funnier in this than uh than a movie we'll talk about later yeah yeah Yeah. we're already to 1998 we only only got a few more left you guys uh who have been sticking with us i believe in you we'll get through this together do this um all right let's uh let's move forward um in between uh next up i guess or or backwards that's a good question unless you want to talk about dirty work i was just going to mention that he has a cameo in the film dirty work it's not a great movie um i watched it yeah yeah, I watched the scene. I just pulled up the scene on YouTube. It was, yeah, it was yeah. okay. It was a yeah, little drug just... sequence cameo kind of wacky thing. Yeah. Not, I, I, yeah. A... I'm not even going to rate his performance there since it's just... No, you, you can't. Tidbit. 
But The Water Boy, uh, a movie that like I was kind of dreading to watch, to be honest. It had been, I probably hadn't seen The Water Boy all the way through since I was like 16, 17, something like that. Bobby Boucher was a lonely boy. Everybody else got friends, Mama. I just want some too. You want to have what they call the social skills. His only friend was his mama. He can hang out with whoever he wants, except you. And his only joy was his job. I'm a water boy. <laughs> Until one day, must be something wrong with his medulla oblongata. He discovered his special gift. <laughs> Now, play football for this team. The world will feel his pain. Wow. Damn. Mm, that snake looks delicious. Somebody hurt you, my boy. You are so sexy. From the wedding singer team. Come give your mama a kiss. The water boy. I never really liked it as much other than a few jokes uh, growing up. I uh, I mean, maybe when I was much younger, like, I probably liked it a lot. It's hard to remember. But I, I just mean like yeah. looking back from my adult perspective, uh, I never really had a yearning to go back to the water boy. Yeah. But maybe because I had, you know, put that bar so low in my head, uh, I actually ended up enjoying it way more than I thought I would. Really? And I thought that Sandler's performance, he actually sold this character that I didn't really remember oh, him yeah. selling. That was that was honestly what the thing I was the most impressed by was how he was pretty much able to, yeah, he, he was able to make the character work. Like, and uh, I think this is very much the exclusion to the rule that like, uh, I've kind of, you know, formed new theories and stuff as I went through these and it really seemed like the movies that don't work at all are the ones where Sandler uh, is not driving the comedy um, but I think this and Billy Madison kind of break that trend and that he he has a few jokes that uh, you know his delivery is funny a handful of times and he does anchor the movie with like his endearing weird character but I feel like so much of the humor in it comes from the side characters and the world around him, and, and it works. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 the yeah, it's the world around him that that hands out most of the comedy in the film. But what what about you? Um, well, honestly, I had a one eighty. It was like, um, I mean, I still enjoyed it, but at the same time, it was like the wedding singer. I just, I turned off my brain and I was like, oh, okay, this isn't so bad. And then I was like, maybe I, maybe I'm going to get sucked right back into the Adam Sandler stuff. And the water boy kind of brought me back down as like, reminded me that like, oh yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of, it kind of took me right back out. I don't know. It, it's not, it's not a terrible movie by any means. In fact, I was relatively impressed by certain aspects of it, but I just thought it was really light on the jokes. That's fair. That's fair. But uh, I I think I just enjoy the side characters and, and their stuff so much. Uh, Henry Winkler as Coach Klein and, and Kathy oh, yeah. Bates uh, and Farmer Fran. And like, yeah, it's always hit or miss with the side characters. But I, I think for at least the first half of the movie that they, they work really well. Um, 
and th- that might have just been from the fact that I knew the movie backward and forward from I I, used, I, I watched this movie a ton when I was younger, and so I just I kind of knew it mm-hmm. all, and so it was just like oh yeah I remember this movie kind of feeling when I was watching it, but yeah the performances are fantastic like yeah Kathy Bates kills it Henry Winkler, also um, even someone who doesn't get very many jokes but I just want to point out like Larry Gillier Jr like acts his ass off in everything he's in and still hasn't become a lead in anything. Uh, uh, he played, um, he played Wallace in this movie. Like, uh, he was just the nice friend of Bobby Boucher, Adam Sandler's character. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like everything he he's in, like he's not in much of this movie, but he still has, I don't know, just kind of a presence. He was in the, He's in the wire as a character D'Angelo Barksdale, and it's po- it's possibly one of like my favorite character in all of the wire, which the wire being as good as it is in turn makes his character one of the greatest characters in television, and yet he's not getting any roles anywhere, mm. and it's just like why? I can't answer that, but yeah, he deserves them. No, but yeah, th- I, but yeah, this movie is good for the performances um and yeah there's some absolutely absurd jokes that show up really randomly and are pretty hysterical i mean he has a teacher named colonel sanders so i i i I was perplexed by it this time around i had never thought much about it before (laughs) i just thought it was funny that but like this time around is that just a nickname that the the class gives him and the professor just accepts it or is he really just colonel (laughs) sanders we don't know but him getting hit in the head, uh, great, great moment. Oh, Even yeah. though it's pretty much the exact same joke as uh, when Eric uh, knocks his secretary into a coma. Yeah, Call, uh, almost exactly the same joke from Billy Madison. But this time around, it was, it was, it was, it was just as I, funny. And it was also having like right after an emotional sequence where Henry Winkler was having like like one of the real moments of the movie. And then that just knocks you right back out of it. Henry Winkler sells like that drama in a funny way though. I, I think oh, absolutely. his comedy works almost throughout the whole movie. Um, I did used to love the, the water sucks bit, but seeing it now that it, the, the, the Photoshop effect that they use uh, to double him up is terrible. Yeah. That, that was never really my favorite. I, um, yeah, it, the, yeah, one of the ugliest uh, effects uh, in all these movies. It oh, really yeah. went for it and, and did not land. And, and as much as I kind of praise the, you know, uh, Sandler for his range here and the side characters, the movie does kind of lose the comedic, uh, uh, the comedic momentum about halfway through when he has his kind of mm-hmm. character turn. Uh, and I just I don't think it ever really picks it up after that. Uh, it, it that's it it tries to like lean on the really small side characters after that, like uh, yeah. Rob Schneider and Clint Howard yeah, and, and Alan Covert's characters. But I don't think any of those work at all. No. Like he says you can do it. I didn't. I mean, as a kid, I found it amusing, uh, but I didn't realize he says it like six times. Yeah, he doesn't. Stop it keeps saying going. It. It's like they. they it's, I, it's it's almost like 
it's not that funny until they keep repeating it. And then everybody's like, Oh, that's a, that's a line I can remember yep. from the movie. And yep. it becomes exactly. the most quotable and thing. That is a thing we will talk about in these next two movies as well. It's like, they are yeah. very confident with callbacks and they really lean on them. And these later Sandler movies and beyond. Um, yeah. I did really like Vicky Valancourt. Uh, and this, even though oh, really? once again, it is another, uh, romantic lead that doesn't really have her own agency but i do like that she yeah. kind of is a very a traditional uh, character oh yeah and she is a really unique one compared to all the other very like cookie cutter uh women yeah i thought yeah i thought she did great and yeah the character is relatively interesting and i do like the uh i like it when she's breaking down the um what is it? Uh, when she's uh, reading the complaining about the uh, the psychic's prediction. Oh yeah, I thought that was pretty humorous. Mm-hmm. She didn't get a whole lot of humor though. No, no. Um, it was funny seeing her and Kathy Bates kind of bounce off each other. Uh, that was one of the yeah. few times in any of these movies, other than I guess uh, Christy Taylor and. Um, and to Drew Barrymore bouncing off of each other. Uh, but th- this was one of the first times where it's actually two women just conversing. Yeah, yeah. Even though yeah, it was would, all yeah. just about Adam Sandler. Yeah. Don't think it passed the Bechtel test. No, still. but it, it was an entertaining scene, and it was cool to see two female actors uh, you know, going back and forth in an entertaining and yeah. funny way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think that the water boy, uh, as much as like it, it shows Sandler's range. Um, I do think it shows kind of the lack of Hurley Sandler writing range. And, um, yes, I think it really starts to show those kind of, uh, those cracks in the formula and how it is developing as like a drag and drop formula in these movies. Yeah. Yeah. This, uh, Yes, my thoughts. Are <laughs> well, I I don't have that much uh, else on the water boy. Um. Yeah. No. Uh. Th- this one, like like the last, uh, wedding singer, got um, with a budget of eighteen million and made one hundred twenty three million. Um. Uh, this one, with a budget of twenty three million, made a but uh made a got a box office of 190 million and so still steadily going up this one might have been helped though because um the trailer for star wars the phantom menace was released alongside it and so people would go into the movie just to see the trailer mm-hmm. and so but still 190 million is is no laughing matter that's a ton of movie money for a company and although you know colonel sanders he, he gets close to making my list of, of best sandler side characters here i don't i don't know if anyone uh, other than maybe winkler makes it on that list from this movie yeah winkler did a pretty great job um i i'd, I'd give props to blake clark as farmer fran because like oh, yeah. this is he's in all of them after this pretty much mm-hmm. and this is like the only out like truly funny character he plays that i think i think that i've seen so far 
uh, there's a, there's a lot of the movies that we will get to eventually whenever we start doing the the later decades I w- that I have I wish seen, I could have seen but... Chris Farley play it because uh, I I know at some point he was kind of lined up to do that role. Yeah, that would have been interesting. But yeah, obviously it, it was a it was great. It is hilarious. Uh, everything he says and does. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that uh, yeah, I don't really have much. I changed my mind. He's on the list. To... <laughs> but uh, let, let's um, uh, let's go keep going down the rabbit hole onto uh, to Big Daddy. Big Daddy, which is like Dennis Dugan returns the peak of Sandler mania. This summer. Do that thing I taught you the other day. That's my boy. Columbia Pictures presents. Can I have a nightlight? Nightlight. The most unprepared. There you go. Inexperienced. I wet my bed. Mm, All right. Nice and dry. No more wetness. And unlikely dad. You two got the same size t-shirts on. That's amazing. Ow! We stop serving breakfast at 10.30. No! Oh, please. Don't cry. Don't cry. You got a happy meal? Can we get a happy meal? Will somebody get you a happy meal? Adam Sandler. How come you're not going? Only you and my grandfather go every 30 seconds. Big Daddy. Let's go. Hi. What's your name? He'll write it on the wall. Mind your business. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, with a budget of thirty-four point three million, this one made two hundred thirty-four point eight million dollars. Ton of money. Oh yeah. The marketing for this movie was ridiculous. There were posters everywhere, and they just said "Big Daddy" the, and the Adam Sandler and the date. Yeah. I. I. Yeah. I thought it was. Yeah. Wasn't it just him uh, with his like facing a brick wall with his head turned yep. back? They're like, like you oh. like the guy. You know you're gonna come. Yeah, doesn't even don't even need to try anymore, <laughs> and that's that's both filmmaking and marketing wise. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll somewhat agree. I'll somewhat agree. I guess uh, I'll jump into my my thoughts on it. Actually, um, is I I do think there is a direct connection here with with the Dennis Dugan directing this and Happy Gilmore because I, I think they both have a similar problem in that. It's a, it's a very grounded world and narrative that they're trying to tell. But then every now and then we get these absurd moments that don't fit super well. Um, but I think because of the severity of like the uh, the dramatic narrative that this is trying to tell, it is just like this way bigger gap in those like, I, I don't know, just like how much conflict there is in between the wacky humor and the weight of the situation. This is an extremely um, nuanced kind of story that it's trying to tell, but within Sandler jokes. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, this movie kind of unravels itself. It kind of all just like it makes itself fall apart at trying to be grounded, but yet also, yeah, not trying hard enough to be grounded. I think it, maybe if some of the jokes wouldn't have been as ridiculous as him, like, I, I don't know if it was just like, I think tone wise, I couldn't tell sometimes if it was trying to be absurd or if they were just trying to paint him out to be like a really big prick, like him throwing, you know, logs down at rollerbladers. Like, is that trying to be just an absurd joke or are they trying to show this guy has crazy rough edges that he needs to sand down? I, I don't know. Um, 
I, I wrote, I wrote, I wrote a little bit of a spiel right after I saw okay. it. I'm skimming through it. I'm reading it right now to like, see if I still agree with myself for the most part I do. I'm going to read a little bit of this, but, uh, I was fairly nervous going into this one. Cause like I, I used to absolutely love this mm-hmm. movie, but every time I tried thinking back to what I loved about it, I would, I would completely come up yeah. short. I remember quoting like Rob Schneider's foreign character a lot as uh-huh. a kid, but like now that makes me red in the face and embarrassed <laughs> just thinking of quoting his character. And then like, there were a myriad of scenes that I remember enjoying, but when I try to remember what I thought made them funny, I just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. I used to I used to get a kick out of the Adam Sandler putting sticks in the middle of the road for rollerbladers trip. It'd be and fall. funny in the right but context. Now I just, but like, yeah, now I just think of how like how much of a prick he is for doing that. Like, that's not even that cool. This is a Saturday, and these people are all older. Like, th- th- like all those rollerbladers that fall. Like, these people are just rollerblading on their time after after working a long <laughs> week, and he's just throwing the damn sticks in the way. It, yeah but um i when i when i before watching it i was slightly hopeful that like in in context a lot of the stuff is better than in my memory and um in a lot of ways it wasn't um i mean like first things first i can understand a lot of ways i mean in a lot of ways i can understand why i dug it when i was mm-hmm. younger for like um like uh i i think i liked it uh in a child's eyes like uh that placed Adam Sandler films on a higher level of importance than anything else out there. And, uh, like from, from my perspective at the time and Adam Sandler films being so high up on a pedestal, this being the most grounded of his movies. I just thought that was like in my young mind that this was the most sophisticated Adam Sandler. film. I really, but like, I really think that if it wouldn't have been for it, some of the mean spirited jokes and like their insistence on going with those jokes over and over again, it could have really worked. Cause I think the dramatic angle of it kind of works on its own. Well, like, I don't know, watching it now, it just felt like a feeble attempt at putting together something that had like a surface level sophistication that makes it all the more car- cartoony uh, that makes like all of his more cartoony films look better in comparison. Like I'll hand it to the first half hour. Or so the dialogue and jokes are sparse, but the characters feel a bit more real world than any Sandler film up to this point. And I, I was, I was fairly interested this time around. Um, I thought, I don't know, it, it would, it would, but like then the child shows up and it all clicks in my head that every single character in this film doesn't matter except for Sandler's character, even the child that it all hinges on. I mean, later in the film, we learned that uh, Julian didn't know his mom was dead, but still like, wait, that just makes my question even more prevalent. Like, why does he never once seem like a real child? Like not once does he mention mm-hmm. how he misses his mom or anything. He goes from super shy to super brat, all for the sake of getting a reaction out of Adam, Adam Sandler, who then turns super brat into a regular kid that that's just so he could be like, see, I could be a, I could be a good dad. Look at me now. The, I mean, the whole arc of course is, is uh, let's turn a man child into an adult, but this film's arc just feels like it has so many flaws. Like his girlfriend at the start of the film, Vanessa wants him to be a responsible adult and he berates her for it. And then he uses the child as a way to make it look like he was willing to be an adult. But when she discovers she moves on, she's moved on. Like the film goes out of his way 
to put us on his yeah. side by yeah, making it's really her mean new to her an old man. It, it's really mean to her. The movie is very yeah. mean to Leslie Mann's character unnecessarily. Oh, so that, that's what the biggest turnoff for me was like from scene one is like, is there a reason? Do they ever give a reason for why he's such a prick to, uh, to Corin? Uh, but they never give me a reason. Yeah. No. In fact, and and the thing that, that that's the worst is like every single criticism that they give Adam Sandler's character is like spot on and right. Yeah. Like, we should be on their side, but, and then like, all he does is make Hooters jokes and we're supposed to the be on Hooters his side. thing. Like, was that supposed to be product placement? Um, I, I don't know, but it was like the most incessant joke and the most like really frustrating to me, like callback Sandler yeah. joke out of all of these nineties ones. Cause yeah. it, it was just, it wasn't a joke. And he was just so nonstop with it. Every time yeah. she's in a scene, you're going to hear the word Hooters from his mouth four times. Yep. But, uh, and, th- and then the film culminates in like this courtroom scene that turns every aspect of the film that was closer to the real world than his typical movie and just flips it on his head, turning yeah. it into like an even bigger cartoon than the water boy, but way less funny. Oh, yeah. And then it tries really hard with flashbacks and cheesy Bruce Springsteen music to be hey, really that was a sentimental good at the end. Song. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. There's just a strange level of mixed messaging in the film. Like it tries really hard to inform, like like with um, Peter Dante and Alan Covert's characters. It's it's trying really hard to inform the audience that they should be accept. Like in 1999, should be accepting of gay people, but also making jokes out of them yeah, at the same time. I, I couldn't tell the tone wise where they were going that with that, if it was trying to be a joke at all, or if it was trying to be genuine and it, it just, yeah. Like Adam Sandler's character calls out his homophobic friend mm-hmm. early on in the film for being so homophobic. But then we get reaction shots yeah, from him. Like every yeah, time exactly. they do gay things like, oh yeah, I'm on that guy. Like what? Yeah. That was something that has really been lost to time. Like if this was supposed to be comedic, it is not yeah. at all anymore. And it's just frustrating. Yeah. Same. I think the Hooters jokes fall in that same category. Like, was this ever funny? And like, well, if it ever was, it's definitely not now. Yeah. But um, I did like Steve Buscemi's, surprisingly articulate homeless Steve is always great in these even though you know usually the characters are, are pretty boring but yeah this was it was a good yeah. character and he did it well mm-hmm. even though like I'm so confused with that like OJ joke now as an adult like was that racist yeah. I'm so confused on what he was getting at there it, I, 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 I it seemed no pretty idea. racist it, it, it does it does. And also, yeah. with just logical nonsense here, like he gives these kids these glasses, right? Tells them he's invisible, uh-huh. put them on. And the kid goes to school and puts yeah. them on. But obviously, another eight year old be like, hey, I like your glasses. How does he yeah. still believe in these glasses? I'm so. I, I don't one know. of the many, it's, many it's, questions it's, I have. But yeah. playing devil's advocate here. I do think Sandler himself, just him, if this was a one-man show, just watching him, his performance is pretty damn good in this movie. Uh, yeah, that's... And his comedy is great. Like, 
he's pretty damn hilarious uh, throughout it. And I think that's why you were you remember the movie fondly as a kid and why I liked yeah. watching the movie as a kid. Uh, it's yeah. it's fucking hilarious. They puts down newspaper every time there's yeah. any mess. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> this is, how does that solve anything? There's so many great lines that uh that he has, or just great delivery for those lines. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like Other he does a fine the, job, and the, the, like all the uh you know m- misplaced jokes. Yeah. And I thought um. I thought they did a decent job of trying to give. Joy Lauren Adams character a bit more agency than some of Sandler's other love interests, but they just, yeah, it just somewhat, I mean, like, I guess, I don't know. It, I, 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 I think I'm going to throw her in the bag with Julie Bowen and Bridget Wilson yeah. as just kind of like, it, I don't it doesn't know, just make there sense for him that they're together and it doesn't make sense. A lot of things. I, I thought they tried giving, her more agency with less lines. I don't know. It was weird, mm-hmm. but yeah, overall, I, yeah, biggest problem. Yeah. How, it was just, it was really, really. Yeah. How does he not go to jail ev- at all? No. Yeah. He absolutely should have at least for a night. Like what the cops were there. Why didn't they arrest him? Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. Yeah. He absolutely. I'm should've. so confused by that. Um. Also, why did, John Stewart, Kevin Garrity, not say anything through the whole damn trial. I, I guess they really wanted it to be like, oh, he didn't want to say anything because he's worried about Corin. But like, I, I know, so many baffling things in this movie. Yeah, yeah, they tried to sell it with like him having like a oh, it's all dawning on me at the last minute kind of facial expression, but yeah, uh, it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense yeah um i'm trying to think well looking at rob schneider's character yes um i i I do think it's like right on the fringe between uh being kind of just mean to foreign people uh and being kind of playful with that idea oh yeah but i did enjoy it a lot more than the you can do it guy at least well, it's more of a character. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, it's it, it's he has good comic timing arguing with the kid. It, yeah, that's true. I'll give him that, you know. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know ethically how how, uh, how good of a choice that was, you know, nowadays. It, it does seem just kind of mean. You like, oh, he's a foreigner and he doesn't know English. So let's kind yeah. of make fun of that. He's having, and all, all, you know, like, and he clearly didn't learn how to read the English language. He just learned how to speak it. So let's make fun of how he can't read. Yeah. Also, uh, another real bad kind of punch joke, punch down joke. That was just so lazy. Um, that when, when they're at the restaurant, him and, uh, what was her character name? Layla on their date and there's no context for it, but he just points over at like a guy eating that's on a date yeah, just for the sake of a fat joke. Just for a fat joke. And then, yeah, then, then they're doing the lady and trap thing with the sausage and yeah. Yeah. It's just so unnecessary, but I got something great from this movie though. Oh really? I got a character that might be number one 
on the best side characters list, and that is the old teacher lady. Oh, nice. That by far, this kid's been the smelliest. Mrs. Foot. Mrs. Foot, who is this woman, and how is she <laughs> delivering these lines in the funniest way imaginable? Know, right. Yeah, she has like two lines, and they're fantastic. Mrs. Foot, almost top of the list, maybe even number one. <laughs> also, this movie did something good for me uh, out of all these like groans that I had for these horrible Hooters jokes. You know, something positive came out of it, and that it made me want a yoo-hoo. So then the, the day I watched this, I went on a long bike ride and went to like three bodegas and, and finally found a big glass yoo-hoo. There you go. Product placement at its best. It worked. Yes. Big Daddy sold me. I do like uh, that scene. Yoo-hoo. That scene still. That's a funny scene. Yeah. Him just tar- just kicking back with the kids, trying to find out if they're doing drugs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it tries so hard to be earnest in so many moments with with him and the kid. And there are a few moments where I think it genuinely sells it. And yeah, I'd say that's one of them. Yeah. But yeah, you're you're very right on all your criticisms of like the kid kind of not being a real character at all. If you think of him as an object, it's not a bad it's it's it, like if you like like you if like you were saying if this was a one-man show and it was just adam sandler like it's a fairly yeah. solid performance and a and i get what they were trying to do but yeah, the, the kid's a prop for him to yell at and you know grow with yeah he's got to deal with a child and so maybe yep. if they would have reworked the script so that there wasn't any like emotion involved and he wasn't being dropped off because his mom was sick and it was just, oh, I got a kid now. That It might have been a solid movie. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it was just if it was him that had to, that found out that he had a kid with someone a long time ago or something and yeah, now he's stuck with him. That. But then they wouldn't oh. have the nonsense court scene at the end. Oh, man. Talking about like moments that uh, really break kind of the groundedness but are funny on their own. Like if it was a more absurd movie, it would work. But when they're trick or treating and he straight up breaks into the dude's (laughs) home, (laughs) like me looking at it from an adult perspective, that'd be horrifying. If this man and his kid just broke into my home, threatened me, stole my watch, basically. Yeah. Yeah, Terrifying. But the absurdity of it is funny. From an absurdist film perspective, the way it's shot is actually pretty clever. The way, you know, Mm. like the camera just lingers lingers on the window and then he's suddenly in the back of like... Yeah, yeah. But the fact that it's a grounded movie is just like, what? This is awful. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. So we're almost at the end of this. Um, The evidence is piling up against Adam Sandler here. Uh, This trial is uh, is not going too well for him. I mean, overall, though, like uh, before we get to the last movie and our concluding thoughts, like I I did learn to uh, see a lot of nuance in his performances in some of these that uh, I didn't really see in them before. I only ever really, you know, looked at them as like, oh, they're comedies. But and then he has his dramatic ones that he's great in. But it's interesting to see and analyze kind of a. his comedic performances and how good and, and how bad they can be. Yeah. And, and he does show genuine dramatic range in the, in this movie and, uh, and in some of the other ones we've, we've talked about. And I think that's almost why they're sold and why I bought them as a kid. Yeah. 
because he he really sells the drama and how ridiculous they are. Oh yeah, uh, I mean like if you're not actively critically thinking and you're just watching a movie just passively, then like you get he he has a way of sucking you in. Mm-hmm. And it's just like um yeah. Did you have anything else you want to say before? Uh, we get to little Nicky. Before we get to little Nicky, um, I do have a question, and that is, um, what's your current? How would you currently rank these films up to? Okay, outside of little Nicky. Yes, and See, then, that's then tough. we'll place little Nicky in there afterwards. <laughs> uh, that's really tough because, like, am I looking at it just from Sandler's performance or them as an overall package? Just the, a, the, like, whole, the whole, the whole movie, movie as a whole. Uh, okay and we'll 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 go Um, with starring vehicles we're not gonna count any of the yeah i think front to back like the one that holds its tone fully um even though like i said i don't think sandler is as enjoyable in it back to front i think billy madison probably is the best package out of all these that we've seen okay uh right below that um I think I'm I'm putting Happy Gilmore as cliche as that is. And then, I don't know, that's tough between The Water Boy and The Wedding Singer um, because they both have a lot of parts that I really don't like, but a lot of moments that I do. I go with The Wedding Singer, then Water Boy, and then Big Daddy, um, and then everything else. We'll we'll put, uh, (laughs) I'm going to put, Mixed nuts at the bottom of that bag, actually. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm putting going overboard above mixed nuts just for that Billy Zane King Neptune scene and the uh, what was that old comedian Milton Byrne? Was that his name? Uh, and uh, Milton Burl. Milton Burl. Yeah. And that was a pretty good scene, actually, in going overboard with with them two talking to each other and the laugh track. It was like interesting and surreal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think it's more interesting than anything in mixed nuts or airheads. Okay, so it's going below. You know, uh, what's it called? Big Daddy, probably the bottom of my um, Hurley Sandler, and then airheads, and then going overboard, and then mixed nuts. Okay, okay. I'm not. I don't even count bulletproof. That that movie was a fluke. And it, <laughs> Yeah, it didn't really have anything enjoyable in it. Sorry if you really love uh, bulletproof. Yeah, any bulletproof lovers out there, please uh, write to us and tell us why you like it so much. I'm very curious. Yeah, you could always email us at gagrealpod at gmail.com. Do that. What do you got? Um, very very similar. Um, I put. Uh, I'd actually put. The more I've been thinking about it, and I and I started rewatching Happy Gilmore last night just because I wanted to refresh my brain. And when I watched it, I was more so concerned about what we had put in front of us. And I was just like, I watched B- Billy Madison, and I was like, oh wow, this is so great. And then I watched Happy Gilmore, and all I saw was, oh wait, I have to watch a whole bunch of these. <laughs> and um, and I saw the formula. But I, when I was watching a little, I was I watched about half an hour of it last night, and I don't know. There was some really, really good, really good humor in that movie. Um, I I, st- I still got to put Billy Madison up top. It's just mm-hmm. so gleefully nonsense, 
And, yeah. and, and there's a lady that is walking a, a class of uh, field trip students and is just asking what the hell a horseshoe is <laughs> and if anybody's <laughs> listening to her. Uh-huh. And like, yeah. And I was, I was thinking about this, the, the sequence earlier about when all the, the bags of lunches were stolen and it cuts to yep. Chris Farley and then his two friends, Jack and Frank, who we never knew that they knew Chris yeah, Farley's know, character. Other, yeah. And it doesn't make any sense, but it's perfect. Um, so I'd, I put that one up top and then I'd go with um, Happy Gilmore, a close second. And then um, I'd probably put Wedding Singer above Waterboy, but I don't know. You almost got me sold on they're tough. Yeah, it it's close. Uh, yeah. I, but I I think my list would be much different if we're just talking Sandler and his performance. Yeah. Okay, I get that. Um. But yeah, uh, probably Wedding Singer under that, then Waterboy, um, and then uh, yeah, I guess I guess I would put Big Daddy above. Uh, definitely above all yeah wow um i did not like mixed nuts i did not 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 like going overboard um i would actually uh just for the fact that i was able to sit through it even though i was not entertained i was just perplexed the entire time but i was able to sit through the whole thing without checking the the time stamp and wondering how Uh much longer I'd put mixed nuts above going overboard. I feel like most people would. Um, with going overboard, it felt like I had accomplished something after sitting through the whole thing. That's fair. I think I, I was just, I don't know, as like uh, someone who finds amateur film, uh, filmmaking interesting, yeah. I, it was... It was very interesting to just kind of break down the lazy filmmaking as it was going in my head. Yeah, um, I just... <laughs> going overboard just bothered me so much i I wrote this down i hadn't (laughs) i hadn't read this out but like um if you look at other terrible low budget films they all seem to have a reason to exist like birdemic was a poor attempt at informing the public about climate change troll Uh. 2 was an italian couple with a feeble grasp of the english language attempting to make an american horror film as an allegory for how much they hate their vegetarian friends the room was Tommy Wiseau trying to prove to the world he could be an amazing actor and filmmaker. And this one just had no point. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that one goes way down at the bottom. Uh, now let's get to drum roll, please. Little Nicky. His number. You know his name. And this fall, you'll meet his son. Hello, friend. My name is Nicky. Well, the Lord loves you. And the Lord loves you. You make the Lord very nervous. He's here to save the world, and nothing can stop him. Enough with the chicken. We ain't got much time. Let's get cracking. Ah! 
Yeah. Um, you know, we were rounding out the Big Daddy discussion. I, I, I was... Because I feel like my concluding thoughts on Big Daddy are... This is a lit... Like, not a, a pretty kind of slapped together Hurley He Sandler. And I think it had an extra writer, actually, a script. But Sandler really sold it through his performance. I think Little Nicky shows how these scripts work when Sandler does not work. Yes. Because on their own, these scripts aren't that great. And you really see it through, like, because maybe it's just a personal thing, but I, I don't think Sandler as little Nicky works in any sort of comedic sense at all. He, he's not fun to watch. He's not entertaining. Um, he's It's just, it's a bad character. Yeah, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. It tries really hard to pull a water boy and like, oh, I'm sweet and you'll like me, but yeah, it's it's both too weird and just not yeah particularly likable because there's just there's no characterization. It's mm. just a strange and terrible film. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it it seems like it's almost he's almost trying to do like, I don't know. I mean, little Nicky is not like mentally un- uncapable it, but it seems like Sandler almost trying to be like a Forrest Gump kind of thing yeah um, maybe I don't know but it just it does not work at all it, 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 it's not enjoyable actually um, there there's a handful of uh, of terrible licensed video games around that are based on comedies right Yes. There's a Wayne's World game for NES. There's several Wayne's there's, World games. That... There's a uh, Austin Powers game. Yeah, Ad- yeah. Um, a little Nicky, uh, but I mean, uh, a lot of these licensed games, pretty much all of them, are way worse than the movies they're based on. <laughs> little Nicky, one of the few examples of a game that's equally as uncomfortable as the movie. Yeah. The sprite for Little Nicky in the game makes me just as uncomfortable as him on the screen. Oh, wow. And I have to commend the Ubisoft for, you know, being able to translate that into game form. We'll watch some footage of that after this. I don't know if you need to. Somebody's um, got a let's play of it. But uh, before we really start breaking down this movie, I got three letters for you, Will. P-O-D. I- <laughs> yes. <laughs> I didn't see that coming in the soundtrack. I that threw me off. I was like, "Oh, okay. Why? <laughs> Why we're playing PO? That's that was a moment. You know, this is 2000 as hell. We are from the school, the school of hard knocks. <laughs> oh boy, POD. Oh boy, little Nikki. Yeah, I, I felt like this- after watching it, like I needed to give it some level of props because it felt as if it wanted in some way to be like and as awful as it is <laughs> it's like they wanted to make a bad movie uh-huh. like sandler and crew like somehow the audience pissed off adam sandler and everybody and this was like their strange way of getting revenge but like i don't think that was the case at all i think it was just a half-assed script surrounding a really high concept idea that they just wanted to turn out sooner than they they should have Maybe so. I don't know. I mean, this was the first Happy Madison one, right? Yes. It was numero uno uh, on their 
Uh, and yeah. It, it really seems like it was made. It, like the the movie looks like an independent film, like in its effects. I don't know if that's just the twenty years of age on it, but even that opening font of Little Nicky, it looks really cheap. The budget um, for this movie was huge. Okay, well, it they did a bad job. I think it all went to the cast. They they brought in maybe so. a absurd amount of people, and unlike, I mean, I don't know. It's just one of those cases where. You, you feel like the more like the more people that have comedy presence you throw into a movie, the funnier it'll be, but you don't give them anything to be funny with. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, let's bring in Michael McKean, but not give him anything funny to do. Let's bring in, I don't know, uh, let's bring in Carl Weathers, but let's not give him a new character. Let's just have him do his old thing yeah. again, and well, it'll let's be call f- back to our favorite old movies that we made. Yeah, let's just let's just call let's- everything back. Let's bring in uh, the you can do it guy again. Yeah, I mean, this. I feel like Little Nicky is like the thesis statement of Happy Madison uh, and what what they do. Yeah, and uh, maybe one day we'll get to part two of this Sandler thing. But this really like makes me not want to ever do it. To be honest, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of yeah. This, this yeah, if this is where it's gonna go from here, I'm kind of scared. I mean, I remember not actively not really liking this movie when it came out. So I even mean, like, as a kid, I didn't like this movie. Exactly. I remember wanting to like it and watching it several times just to see if I was if there was something I was missing. But yeah, I always felt came up short. It uh, his his performance uh, of the character really brings me back to like those really early like clips of him and going overboard and airheads and stuff, mixed nuts. Just he where he didn't really know his range and it seems like he really tried to step out from beyond the range. He had kind of realized he had in this one and, uh, it did not work. And, um, uh, I, I feel like it's fair to note that this was a post dogma. This was the same year the South park movie came out. All these larger than their britches, uh, comedy movies that were, we're really trying to kind of tell these grandiose fantasy stories, yeah, these high concept ideas. I mean, it's like, it feels as if they looked at dogma and said, wow, this weird, this is a weird movie about fallen angels and stoner prophets. And it made a lot of money. Let's do our version of that. Yeah. This movie was way worse than I thought I, I was, it was going to be yeah. watching it this time. I feel like, uh, almost mad at the movie for what it did to Patricia Arquette and her just like lack of anything. Like she's such an amazing actor yeah. and she got nothing in this movie. Somehow they were in a relationship very quickly after it just seemed like he was stalking her. Um, it just so many questions like from yeah. her perspective, he was like a creep. Oh yeah. And then suddenly it's like, okay, we're together. It, it just, yeah. It like somehow even years after, uh, you know, Billy Madison is it, still pulling the same stick with, with these female characters and even like, uh, higher degree, uh, in this one. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Um, I think I, I laughed maybe once, um, Maybe twice. I'm trying to remember. I only wrote down one of my laughs. Uh, oh, no. No, no. I wrote down two. Okay. 
Uh, the first laugh I got was um, Rodney Dangerfield uh, looking at the camera, uh, you know, in a suggestive way when he was like going to have alone time with Kevin Nealon's like big boob head thing. Oh, yeah. But just those Rodney Dangerfield bugged out eyes yeah. looking right at me in the camera. It just he's a funny guy. Yeah, it, it was kind of tough seeing him this old uh and uh you know in this bad of a movie but i i love rodney dangerfield and he got a laugh out of me yeah um the next and probably only other moment i laughed at um which i'm very deeply ashamed that i laughed at i think this is worse than uh oh wait no i wrote down two other laughs okay well let me get to the shameful one then i'll try and redeem it here okay, okay. So uh, I, this might be worse than your 2006 reviews here. So there was a, a, a scene that was probably too long than it needed to be, but where Dana Carvey played the referee. Yeah, that was oof. And he was like master of disguise level Dana Carvey. Oh, yeah. It was a year before that movie. Which I found out part of me does find funny. <laughs> And I was laughing at that squeaky voice he oh, was God. doing. And you could write in a gag reel pod at gmail.com and, and, and say that I'm an idiot because that's fair. But I was laughing at Dana Carvey in that wacky voice. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, the, uh, the third laugh of the movie for me was Regis uh, admitting to the audience uh, of, you know, live with Regis and Kelly that he had committed murder. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was pretty funny. Yeah, that was. Um, uh, and maybe especially because of like the tragic uh, news recently that, that Regis Kelly has passed. Maybe it was just kind of fun seeing him uh, in that context of saying he was a murderer. I did read. Uh, I, I don't remember where it was. I read it, but uh, it might have just been on IMDb. But apparently there was this uh, like right around the time the film came out. John Lovitz was on Celebrity Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Uh huh. And he uh plugged the movie and he was like I, i'm in this movie uh you know like uh, little nicky and uh regis philbin was there sitting right across from him did not mention oh i'm in this movie too <laughs> didn't say a word that's hilarious uh, yeah <laughs> did not want to admit that he was in the movie um but yeah the, overall this movie felt like it was a straight to video kind of affair yeah uh, it's all around. What'd you think of uh, Quentin Tarantino? He's in it a lot, a lot yeah. more than I remembered. Um, it is fine. It's a funny idea. Yeah. It's like you know, what if uh, the the religious uh, cra- crazy person on the street is right? You know. Um, yeah. I, I got no opinion other than that. Uh, I don't have much of it. Yeah. Overall, no. He much, was in it though. Not much. I, yeah, I was just thinking of all the cameos, and he came to mind. Ozzy Osbourne wrote that one down i thought was i did kind of like uh ozzy them summoning him at the end yeah i thought the special effects kind of made it worse than it could have been oh yeah oh yeah but it it was an entertaining idea yeah but um yeah overall just kind of a mess of a movie and i hope whenever we do get around to the next decade there is a a a, a, like some better than this Mm -hmm. I, i hope this isn't what it what it all becomes yeah um yeah i don't i don't don't really know um yeah i i could have written like a you know full book on all the mistakes this movie made yeah it just 
from my memory, I remember like, you know, maybe not all the ones after this, but I, I, some of them being like, you know, this level of kind of lazy and uh, and bad. Yeah. Yeah, I think. I, I guess if you don't have any more little Nikki thoughts, we we could get to our like kind of concluding statements here. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm, I'm. Yeah, I'm blanking. I mean, this has already been ridiculously long, so maybe we should conclude it. And then well, let's go for another hour. End the Sandler talk. That way, I could erase it from my brain for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just be done. Be gone. <laughs> So what are, what are your kind of concluding uh, theories here on uh, on these movies? Looking back at them from your, your fresh set of eyes, and uh, and where would you place Little Nicky in the ranking here? Um, I I'm honestly not sure about Little Nicky because I I feel like I disliked it as much as like say Going Overboard, but mm-hmm. entirely different way. Yeah. That's fair. It's it's like this one just made I don't know, kind of just made me irritated. Whereas going overboard was just like, oh, that was bad. Mm-hmm. This one like genuinely kind of pissed me off at times because it just felt like they really weren't trying other than just eh, this is a wacky concept and let's everybody we know come on in here and we're gonna do something. We don't know what yeah. it is yet. I don't no, know. I agree. And then, and then it just felt like, I don't know, the editing and post-production felt like they were just trying to piss me off. Mm-hmm. Like, let's make it even less funny with bad special effects yeah. and jarring musical transitions and weird yeah, cuts. Yeah. And uh, No, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, I, something I forgot to mention. Um, I got kind of frustrated with, uh, with Alan Covert's um, character. Not him specifically, but all the gay jokes surrounding him. Yeah. Um, that it really made me go back and question Big Daddy a- a- as well. If like if they were ever trying to be positive in that movie with the gay representation, yeah, that's, um, yeah, it just seemed kind of childish and mean. Like it same way. Like I recently went back and watched some of Kevin Smith's stuff, and in the same kind of breath as that, just lazy '90s or I guess 2000 era backhanded jokes that aren't aren't necessary and don't ever add to anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I get that. Yeah, it was. Yeah, a lot of these. Yeah, a lot of the humor was just either not there or just painful. Mm-hmm. No side characters here are going on my list. Damn it! <laughs> not even Dana Carvey, uh, Master of Disguise. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna put it above Mixed Nuts. Okay. Because <laughs> screw that hairpiece that Steve uh, Martin was wearing. <laughs> All right. Uh, but yeah, uh, below literally everything else. Okay. Uh, and even looking at it like through Sandler's performance, it might be absolute bottom. Yeah. Yeah, definitely in terms of his performance, I would put this at the lowest of the low. Um, but where, where do you slap this? Uh, let me think. Um, I'm going to put it... You put it right. Did you put right above or below mixed nuts? It is above mixed nuts. I'm gonna put it right below mixed nuts. I think if Steve Martin would have had his natural hair in mixed nuts, it would be above. You know, mixed nuts would would that would just, succeed. To me, that just adds to the mystery. <laughs> I am too perplexed by mixed nuts. I am too pissed off by little Nikki. 
Mm-hmm. And so I have to put mixed nuts above it. Um, this was uh, we didn't mention. This was Stephen Brill's first Sandler movie directing. He had yes. acted in a few before. But the most disappointing thing about this to me is I loved Heavyweights as a kid. Yeah. He directed that. This was his next movie. Yeah. Five years later. Yeah. And it's this. Come yeah. on. Just give me Heavyweights too instead. It's heavy, yeah, it's Heavyweights again. More but, Heavyweights. Um, it kind of concluding uh, thoughts here. Um, overall, uh, I... I, I I think this helped kind of erase some of my nostalgia for for Sandler. Um, overall, uh, I did you know enjoy I, I enjoy the humor. He's a naturally funny person, or maybe not so naturally because it took him several movies to kind of figure out his range and his uh his humor. But like him on his own in these films is funny, and I do still quote these movies. We still will keep, um, you know, the Bill- the uh, Happy Gilmore quote in the intro because I mean I love that I love so many moments from that movie, and from Billy Madison. Uh, but uh, overall, like uh, I, there was so much kind of um, just mean spirited and bad jokes that I had completely forgotten in these. Uh, I didn't really want to go into it too much, but uh, I for I, I wanted to I might as well bring up in Little Nicky the constant constant uh, almost the same level as the hooters joke from big daddy but the uh the clint howard um joke oh, in yeah. little nicky oh, it yeah. was it was just so unnecessary and it was hard to tell how mean they were trying to be but it did come across a- as mean and and just unnecessary yeah it was like that yeah i i feel like it was just the laziest way they could do let's have a random weird person yeah and but it, yeah it did not come across uh, uh, continuing on with a random weird person in every movie doesn't you're just gonna eventually get to a point where yeah it's not cool yeah and it just it matters how you portray them as being weird yeah and you know? they went with the easiest way they could think and it yeah it did not it, yeah it was yeah. awful uh, I think overall, like watching these again has made me kind of uh, really see how lazy the writing is and all these. Obviously, like Sandler sells so much of the dialogue in these as his fellow actors do, too. But um, I-, I think there is a consistency in the kind of uh, schlocky writing across all these Hurley Sandler movies. Yeah. Yeah. Even the best ones, like, like <laughs> I, I think that if it wouldn't have been for, uh, for uh, what was it, Tamara Davis, then um, I, I don't think that um, Billy Madison would have been as good. Yeah, maybe not. I think she really sold that tone and that world, and probably communicated to all the actors. I remember like, her like her saying in the yeah commentary, like there was a lot of things that she made sure she made sure there was lots of bright colors and making sure mm-hmm. it looked like a cartoon, made yeah. sure that. Um, yeah, uh, Bridget Wilson was dressed like a teacher and not like just a uh, just in a bunch of weird outfits that were just like, mm-hmm. oh, this is just a woman kind of thing. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of things that I remember in the commentary that she pointed out that sh- she did that helps really define that movie as what it is. Mm-hmm. You're right. I I feel like you know looking at it all now, it, it, it's kind of clearer to me that 
there wasn't really like, you know, a dropping off of quality. I mean, maybe I'll feel different if I we, we eventually go and watch the other two decades, but it seems like that kind of slockiness was there all along from the start. And obviously some of them, it seems like they try harder than others. And there weren't as many meaner jokes in the earlier films yeah. um, as as time as there were when time went on. So I, I could give that to the first few. At least they didn't have that. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would. If we're asking where did it go wrong, uh, oof. I mean, I it's a lot earlier than I anticipated. Yeah. But how much? But I guess our next, if if that's if that's our answer to that question, when we do get back to uh, the next round of ones, I guess the next question would be how much worse does it get? Uh-huh. And like I'm sure there's still lots of great nuggets in the next decade and maybe even the next two decades. I don't know. I mean, because like I said before, Sandler sells so much of this comedy and when he's at his peak, he is just hilarious. Yeah. And every now and then there'll be like these great side characters that really work alongside him and, and help build him up, too. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, maybe there's some gold left to dig, but I'm not ready for that. <laughs> I'm not ready for that for a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, Will will have to con- convince me to do part two. Um, write in to gagrealpot at gmail.com. I'm going to say that for like the fourth time. But uh, write in and tell us if you enjoyed this, uh, <laughs> this like uh, van on fire uh, of a deep dive. And maybe uh, if you'd want us to deep dive into other topics and break my brain even more, um, who knows? Maybe it, maybe it's worth going through all Jim Carrey stuff. I don't know. There's other things we could do this with. It's just like a should we kind of question. Yeah. Do, do, do we need to keep going? Do we? <laughs> should we? We said it was going to be a three thing and we're going to go through yeah. all these, but... Yeah, this was a this was this it was, a, was doozy. a doozy. It was, yeah. Will, Will's gonna have to convince me to do the rest of these, but I'm sure we'll get to it one day. But we're just gonna keep it pretty chill for a little while, though, and just do kind of uh, a movie per episode, uh, yeah, and and listicle stuff for a bit. We'll see. I, I guess with without further ado, I guess I'll close out the show unless you got more to say, Will. Uh, no. Um. Not really. Um, just to throw this out there, uh, I, I didn't read any of these other reviews from 2006. Um, but just in contrast, a quick, this is only a few sentences, but this was my 2006 review of Big Daddy. Okay. Honestly, this is one of my favorite Adam Sandler movies. <laughs> I honestly don't know why. There are just so many hilarious things in this movie. My favorite are Steve Buscemi and Rob Schneider characters, especially when they are arguing in the courtroom. If you like Adam Sandler, then you should get this movie. Five stars. There you go. Yeah. I, I disagree a little bit. Probably don't go buy this movie. Yeah, don't. don't. Yeah, I, I'm going to delete my <laughs> five-star review if I could ever find that account that I wrote that in. That's hilarious, though. I, I do like them arguing in that courtroom scene. I'll give you that. 2006 yeah. will. <laughs> but yeah that'll that'll close this uh really 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 long episode out 
Oh yeah. As always, you can you can go to our Twitter and our Facebook page uh, to stay up to date with what we're doing next. Facebook.com slash GagRealPod. Uh, Twitter at GagRealPod. You're still with us. I hope you've enjoyed this. Um, and I'm sure you might disagree, but I bet if you went through all of these in the shorter t- time span uh, as we did, maybe you wouldn't disagree. Yeah, I don't know. If any of you... Listen to this whole episode and have the gall and the and the just the the strength to do this. Uh, let's let's hear your opinions. Um, I don't recommend this. We don't recommend this at all. But if you did it, I want to hear what your thoughts are. Yeah, I already regret watching Mystery Men this year, and now <laughs> I watched all of these. <laughs> ha- have a good one, um, everyone out there listening, and uh, take it easy.